This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're making way for the new flesh as we've watched Spine 248 in the Criterion Collection, David Cronenberg's Videodrome from 1983. But first, RJ. Yes. The day is here. Videodrome week? No. Who cares about that? Oh, okay. Which which day is that, Jer? It's it's the it's the day that uh, finally we can reveal this 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 big guest, the, the, the much alluded to guest that there's been rampant speculation of. It's me, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. Oh, hi. <laughs> the the debut. That, the, wait, whoa, 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 RJ. I thought yeah. this was supposed to be big. This is big. This is big for us. This is an authentic, all-Canadian podcast about an all-Canadian movie. This is what we've been reaching for in the entire four years. Do you not agree, Jarrett? This? Yeah, this is all-Canadian podcast. This is what it's all been for? Yeah. I I don't even know this guy. (laughs) Well, he knows you, and uh, you've heard me mention him. And, uh, you know, uh, I think this is a, I think it's a very big deal because, you know, some people are like, are you going to get David Cronenberg? Maybe David Lynch is coming on. And uh, I think we got the next best thing, uh, the appropriate guest for the podcast. Would you agree? Do I have a choice? <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe. I, I'd be a real jerk not to welcome friend of the show, Ryan Nagel to the show. Well, I appreciate such a such a warm welcome. Welcome. It's, it's, thanks, it's, it's, uh, you know, thanks for having handshake. me. It is. It truly is an honor to be on the uh, the globally recognized, the worldwide phenomenon, mm-hmm. the most comprehensive, and one and only Criterion Creeps podcast. Yeah, those uh, those have all been confirmed by the uh, the podcast uh, foundation, or is, was it the podcast society? Right, Jarrett. The committee. The committee, the podcast committee, yeah, they confirmed it. But uh, yeah, we're uh, we're happy to have you on. It's been threatened for uh, mm-hmm. many years, but uh, it felt right <laughs> with this one uh, for a few reasons that we can talk about later too. But like I said, it's an all Canadian affair, so it's a uh, we're happy to have you on, man. Yeah, I'm very very psyched to be here, and and yeah, I was. It was. I'm glad I waited. I guess it, the build was worth it, and and for an awesome movie. I know. I know this was a sought after episode by the fan. So it was. I can't wait to thir- I can't wait to thoroughly let everyone down with my lack of actual <laughs> film knowledge. But <laughs> well, you're at the right place. You you could never let people down more than we already do on a weekly basis. So uh, I think uh, it's like I said, it's the it's the perfect harmonious match for uh, what's going on here. <laughs> you know but jared sometimes asks people questions like how did you hear about the show <laughs> well i can kind of fill the blank on that one did rj oh. tell you about the podcast <laughs> <laughs> he he did that is how i found out about it i mean mm-hmm. i must be there must be only a select few of like day one listeners so i don't know if there's if they're all true you know there are, there are probably many friends of the show, although I, I hope that I, I'm coined as the friend of the show. But mm-hmm. I, I, Well, you're the, the one and the original, the, uh, the actual 
original friend <laughs> of the show. And uh, I'd say the only one who would be in competition with you would maybe be Oliver Granger. Mm-hmm. But I believe that uh, Ryan has listened to one extra episode that even Oliver hasn't because uh, people don't know this. This is a secret or- origins for friend of the show Ryan Nagel and for the Criterion Creeps. But there was a episode zero that uh, Jared and I recorded uh, as a test run, and I think I sent it to Ryan. So, oh yeah! Uh, wow, I forgot about that. God, yeah. it's literally years ago. <laughs> well, literally four years ago now. Yeah. What do you think <laughs> about that, Jared? Do you think uh, we can get episode zero on the Patreon as a goal one day? Whoa! Oh, I'd have to. I, I, I know I have it still. It's, boss, <laughs> well, it's possible. I had like I, I think I, th- all we... I think all I talk about is uh, how much I dislike Stranger Things. That's kind of what I my big takeaway is. I think <laughs> at this point. And that was when it was hot, when the first season just yep. dropped. You you talked about how you didn't like it, and then there was about 20 minutes of you showing me uh, the new Blu-rays you bought and uh, just describing them on air. And that is episode zero. But yep. uh, So, yeah, right. I was going to say, you're you're the the true uh, friend of the show because you, you got one more episode down than anyone else does. Wow, that's – what an honor. I mean, yeah. I, do, I, I do remember those early days and like that. I think – I, you know, obviously, if, if people don't know, I am from Creepsville as well, and I've been yeah. friends with RJ forever, but I don't really know Jared at all, so I only really know Jared through RJ. This is but, literally the first time we've ever met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's been great so far, by the way. But no, oh, thank RJ, you. the... The even those early days though I remember like RJ, I was excited about it you know I am a I am a movie fan but um, anyways I I was like RJ sent it to me and I remember being like wanting to give like gentle feedback or like whatever and saying like oh you know it's a little bit the, the episodes might be a little bit long I think you might get more people to engage so I'm glad uh, to see that you guys have not changed that at all no in fact we've gotten longer because yeah. uh, I'm pr- yeah. I'm pretty sure we're we were around an hour and a half. Back in those like the, mm-hmm. the early days, and yeah, na- I remember now like, oh man, three. gotta get it under an hour. <laughs> so we've we've doubled that, and I think you'll find uh, whenever we receive a kind of criticism, whether it's constructive or destructive criticism, we tend to lean into it. So when people say yeah. they don't like something, we do more of it. It's yeah. like uh, like That's how your brand likes my Italian accents and stuff like that. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of a oppositional <laughs> disorder runs rampant here that's one way to put it oh. that's one way to put it so do you feel uh, outnumbered tonight Jarrett? because uh you got the two two of the the original boys the furta boys <laughs> we're, we're cracking cold ones do you you oh. feel a little bit closed in <laughs> oh look at that Jared. he's oh, got I, PBRs. I, 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 I hear the snap oh wait look i gotta i gotta dip into my oh just pbrs <laughs> all the time baby <laughs> the official endorsed beverage of the criterion creeps right um yeah <laughs> well this is one of many bits we got planned for the night guys just oh, stay oh tuned oh boy <laughs> uh so gentlemen uh how have your weeks yeah. been uh i'll uh, i'll hit you first i had an interesting uh encounter on the weekend that i'd love to get your guys's opinion okay on. so friday afternoon i'm driving home uh, and uh, we got a lot of high schools in our town and a lot of high school kids are driving around. I get out at the same time as them and I pull up to a light and a car full of high school kids pull beside me and uh, they all look at me and like the windows are down cause it's still hot out. So I look at them, I'm wearing my cool sunglasses. I give them a little nod. And then when the light turns green, uh, they peeled out and they all screamed WAP 
at me as they <laughs> peeled out. So, Jared, do you know what WAP is? I know you're not fully into the uh, the hip hop new scene. You know, <laughs> is that like a, is it like a wasp? No. Um, so WAP is uh, there is is it Cardi B who sings that? Ryan WAP. Yes, I believe so. Okay, so WAP Jarrett <laughs> is a real Jarrett term. It stands for wet ass oh. p word. <laughs> uh, so well, we don't we don't so, want. Well, I mean, just remember the podcast commission is still out there. That's yeah. that's why I used the p word. But so they yelled it at me, right? And I was like, all right, okay. I was like, I, I'm on board with that. Whatever. <laughs> Late cut to twelve hours later, you guys. I'm driving home. And uh, there's this middle school out by me, and there's nothing behind it. It's like hasn't been developed yet. And uh, Andrew and I were at her sister's or something, so it's like midnight. We're driving home, and uh, I found out that this high, uh, middle school parking lot is where high school kids hang out to get drunk on the weekend. So we're driving, and the street is just littered with with kids all over. Uh, we they're right in the middle of the road. Were they alive? I, they were alive. Okay. Yeah, it was littered with them, but they, they were alive. They were not dead. Okay. Not yet. Um, so they were in the middle and I was driving by and then, uh, there was a group of boys and they were all like twerking and, uh, one of them was in a wheelchair <laughs> twerking. And so like the wheelchair stuck out to me because it's like, that's Whoa. not a commonly got thing, right? It wasn't like a shopping cart. I was like, where'd they get the wheelchair? So I slow right down cause I didn't want to hit them. And then I kind of stop and I roll my window down and, uh, they, they're all like, they kind of pause cause they're like, Oh shit, this guy stopped. And they're like, I think one of the big kids was like, you want a piece? Or something like that. Uh, so I looked at him, and I just in a real straight fairy spirit, I hit the gas, I peeled out, and I yelled, WAP! Right back <laughs> at the high school kids. And I burnt out of there. So uh, do you think I'm going to get arrested, or do you think it was the right play? Uh, this seems like something right out of a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode or something. It, it felt like it, man. It felt like it. It also felt like the right thing to do. So when I got home, I was pretty pretty proud of it. It sounds like you got him. I think I did. I think I did. <laughs> Your just so, uh, desserts. That's uh, <laughs> that was my week. What about you, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel? How's the uh, how's your life? How's the family? Uh, you know how how are things? Going? Are, are you in the playroom right now, Ryan? Yeah, you can probably see some yeah, toys. I, I, over I see my some shoulder. bins. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it, I maybe I won't inflate it, but behind me there's a as a jumpy castle that would inflate and fill in, the room. In, behind in, me, in, <laughs> indoor jumpy castle. Wow. Yes. Yeah. But it's uh, for the kids, Jer. Yeah, I moved my I moved uh, to the basement to ensure a uh, uninterrupted recording experience. But very yeah, my week my week was uh it was pretty good. Nothing nothing too crazy. Uh, nothing quite as crazy as that story. But oh. you you were <laughs> um, driving around yelling "pussy" at children. Yeah, hey, Whoa. it's an acronym. <laughs> Careful, I, I don't want to get arrested. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is probably just as good a time as any to to state that this is a character that I'm playing for the podcast. Right. Oh, just, of course. Anything that I'm saying <laughs> is cannot well, be stated. Well, you're a friend of your friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. Right. Yeah. So not real life Ryan Nagel. Ex- yeah. Exactly. That's my moniker. That's why mm-hmm. you got you got to build in that deniability, just at any opportunity you can, especially when you're dealing with conversations about WAP. <laughs> But yeah, my week was it was pretty laid back. Um, I haven't been. I don't know. I some friends, some other friends of the show, fans of the show, follow me on Letterboxd. So I hadn't been recording a lot of movies lately. Probably mostly because I was 
going through Sopranos over the last like kind of yeah. stretch of the summer. Excellent, just top shelf stuff. But uh-huh. so yeah, I tried to watch some actual movies to talk about a little bit this week, and uh, yeah, other than that, nothing too crazy. It was our it was a uh, Brit and I's wedding anniversary on sun Ooh. Sunday is our sixth anniversary. Damn, that was a Shut. special event, Jared. I was there. RJ was the best man at my wedding. Oh my mm-hmm. god, that's a patriot. There's another Patreon unlock. You can I'll you can I'll send RJ's vi- speech video to anyone who pledges. <laughs> it, it was a it was a good speech, Jared. I left the house completely blubbering. Not a dry eye in in there. Some of it was for sadness. Some of it was for anger. Uh, at me being in the building, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, needless to say, everyone was upset afterwards. So it's a, it's a good one. It was it was really good. But uh, yeah, and I I don't know does. Does uh does Creepsville have a um a Popeyes? We just yes, it opened so up you... right like two weeks before pandemic. The week of whoa, <laughs> yeah, there, 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 there's that. this amazing photo of a lineup packed with people waiting oh, to get God. themselves like a, a, a whatever like a Cajun chicken sandwich, as like the world's like oh there's outbreaks all over the place and we're just like <laughs> just packed in. So yeah, I think that, uh, I guess fortunately for them, they uh, were able to ride through the storm of like starting a business right at the beginning of a pandemic, and they're still in business because yeah, there's people still lined up that drive through. Wow. It's like at the uh, the movie mill parking lot, and it's just like always just mm. like lines. People love That's it. That's crazy. So yeah. but Popeyes, we do have yeah, one. I ha- we so I had never actually even had it before up up here, but um I tried that we got it on the weekend and I tried the that elusive chicken sandwich that everyone's talking about. It's pretty good. But see, did it live up to the hype? Yeah, I would say see all you, of you would like stab someone? No, oh, not wow. not not quite. Okay, then it doesn't. It fall it yeah, not that level of hype, but it okay. falls definitely in the in the rankings of, of fast food chicken fried chicken sandwiches. But okay. it's all that stuff is ex- like kind of extra elusive in, in Canada, right? Because we don't have the same mm-hmm. fast food chains as the States does. So I would I would say it's pretty close to like a Chick-fil-A sandwich, maybe even a little better. I got a spicy Ooh. one and it was pretty spicy. So if it's it's right on par with that. I know you're a Chick-fil-A man, so if you're saying it's yeah. better, then uh, that's gotta be pretty good. Yeah, so I would say, but what do you think have you of? Uh, in Popeyes? Oh, he's got. Uh, well, yeah, uh, have you had the Mary Browns chicken sandwich? I think we have those as well, and I have not tried it's, it. I have. Had, I've had both, and I would maybe even say the Mary Browns is better. Whoa! Yeah, Whoa. I think I think I mean, people are, people are sleeping on it. Wait, you had Popeyes and you didn't talk about it on the podcast? <laughs> well, what is this horseshit? It was like a during inventory weekend. At, Unbelievable. at the old comic shop. <laughs> and... you, you think you know someone, you have a close relationship with them, and then they don't even tell you when they sampled some fine chicken sandwiches? <laughs> it, you know, but honestly, it didn't like it didn't impress. But it was also wow. okay. I will say that the I think the one that everybody was crazy about, they were out of it. So I had like the the basic B option, and it was like, mm. yeah, this is a chicken sandwich. I, I worked at KFC. I made these all the time. A big crunch. I was like, "What's the difference between this and a big crunch?" And, and that was like when I made it myself, and I could just load it up with all the hot sauce I wanted. So I don't know. 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think when the like the actual craze was like at its peak in the states, we didn't have that one. Like it wasn't the same in Canada. Right. So yeah. I think it's like relatively new. The like it it supposedly is the same one now, but I don't know when that dropped or whatever. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I kind of like lost track of that particular madness <laughs> when people were like were fighting over fucking chicken sandwiches. Yeah. But, a lot of things have happened this year since. Yeah. Then. A couple of things, I guess. <laughs> Well, well, that's cool. What about you, Jarrett? Did you get into any minifigs? <laughs> did I get into some minifigs? I sure did, RJ. <laughs> well, I, sh- I, I sure think did. you're in luck because I think Ryan would actually love to hear about your minifig adventures. <laughs> you have a supporter, finally, oh, oh, maybe. Oh. No, I, uh, Oliver, I think uh, Jackson also uh, was pulling for me. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in one piece of excitement, to go along with my airbrush that I got a quick release for my airbrush, which uh, oh, wow. very uh, it turns out to be very essential. When I was using my old one, it did not have enough power before, and it was never an issue. But this thing, my goodness, when you're dealing with up to 40 PSI, quick release wow. really comes in handy. <laughs> Huge. You know, <laughs> you know, I've heard some uh, minifig elitists say that uh, the equipment doesn't make the man, you know, and that mm. uh, you can just use a paintbrush and that'll do, do the trick. So God, you have to do both. You gotta do a little bit of both, RJ. You do both. Yeah, I mix it up. Frig, frig. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dabbling on those oil washes along with my acrylics. So oh yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Man, this guy's. We got a wild man over <laughs> oh, here. Uh, been really embracing 3D printing technology. Even been uh, keep keeping my eye on some uh, some of those resin printers. Whoa, that's a big purchase. That you know what? They're cheap now. You can get it for like 300 bucks right now oh, on wow. Amazon in a week. But then you're dealing with resin, which is toxic, and you got to have a way to uh, ventilate that stuff unless you want to, you know, breathe in resin and get it all over your hands. <laughs> maybe you do. Maybe I do. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so what are you making with that 3D printer? Any, like, dead ringers style Cronenberg? Not like... yet. I've, I've got that. The, the <laughs> Devices? Next... No, right now I'm just, well, unless there's something on Thingiverse like that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'm not sure what the whole um, gynecological uh, delving tools are like on uh, Thingiverse. I'm not sure what like if that's uh, been developed, or if that's you got to go to like some weird sites. Mm-hmm. So someone's should... someone's I'm sure got like a Patreon or Kickstarter for it. Yeah, you should uh, check out that music video for WAP because I think there's a few of those <laughs> in in that thing. Oh yeah, I, I bet, I bet. Yeah. Is, is is that why uh see this is something that you know i don't click on twitter i see things like cardi okay. b trending this was like what a month ago that suddenly uh was it ben shapiro oh yeah i think oh, i think yeah. i think he was because i remember i remember seeing the memes about his wife's dry pee but uh yep. I, I didn't then i think like a few weeks later on another podcast they were talking about this and i went oh that's what this is all about Good. That's, that's good. exactly it, man. You're connecting the dots. You're catching up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was unfamiliar upstairs. with this WAP business. <laughs> well, now you know, okay? Yeah. And now I know yeah. that you are one, apparently. Allegedly, according to those four kids, but they looked like major nerds, so I think I could easily take beat up at least one of them. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> painting minis, that's my lot in life uh you gentlemen want to hear what uh the folks from creepsville writing in have to say ryan yes. nodded i'm gonna I say did. females 
and <laughs> and I'll say negative. Oh, okay. Do we got a lot of email this week, Jarrett? We've got six emails. Ooh, baby. Not bad. Not bad. All, All right. right. First up, we got Maximus Mansteel. Oh, baby. An email entitled, Calling for Creep Assistance. Ooh. Maximus Mansteel here. How are things in Creepsville? Things down in the States are happening. I hope things are all good up there for you guys. It's pretty okay. There was, there was a throne speech today. It kind of looked like something out of like a Euro sci-fi graphic album. Something out of Meta Barons with like weird okay. masks and outfits. Some weird images on CBC. I'll say that. <laughs> My reason I for... Ru- any of this. Uh, it's fine. It's, I'll it, check it out. Okay. It, it, probably the front page has changed since then, but... Anyway, Hmm. my reason for writing today is to call for some help from the creeps. I recently started my first ever list on Letterboxd, and since I've been making my way through the old episodes, only about 20 left, I decided it would cover the films that you guys love to dump on. These are movies you guys like to bring up just to shit all over for one reason or the other. I've got a few Hmm. films in the list with the accompanying reasons why they belong in what I'm calling the creeps toilet. However... I can't help but feel like I'm missing some titles. So I figured who better to ask for help but the creeps themselves. So if you guys don't mind taking a moment from your creeping to see if there's some more entries, I could make it uh, in order to fill the creeps toilet to the top. I would be very appreciative. Thanks, guys, and have a good show. Well, I'm happy to hear from Maximus Mansteel again. And it's like I said, I can't think of a clever nickname for him because it's already there. It's pretty there. Yeah, it's already arrived. It's already there. I checked out this list and it had some impressive notes, to be honest. Like, uh, there's yeah. some good detail into why we hate those things. And I don't know, Jerry, do you have any ideas? I do, I do. Uh, Ryan, have you seen right. this list? I did. RJ sent it to me earlier in the oh, week. And excellent. I got some, I got a lot of laughs out of it. It was pretty good. I'm curious to see what you guys would add because it's okay. pretty comprehensive. <laughs> okay. It is. So, yeah. uh, I, I kind of wrote a draft of this. Uh, because I saw this earlier in the week, and I happened to actually click on it because it, it was this call for assistance. And I went, well, to, here mm-hmm. I come to the rescue. So uh, some cursory thoughts. Uh, missing, to me, would be Hidden Fortress. I feel like uh, mm-hmm. I've there's been some hostility, not because of the movie per se, but because of the YouTube fans that always have to correct us about its relevance because of Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. No one fucking cares. And uh, I've actually disabled comments on Hidden Fortress because of this, <laughs> because I, these these people are the worst. Uh, didn't, I mean, didn't one guy comment on the Hidden Fortress that we didn't know enough about like feudal Japan, martial to arts, talk about, the, the martial yeah, arts, fe- feudal martial arts, and it's like what? What are you talking about, man? Yeah, that that episode had the worst comments, like the worst. Uh, for whatever reason, I would say that there was there's a combination of uh, Pepe la shit and Shitsopolis, mm-hmm. which I think are yeah. often drops. Kind yeah. of, <laughs> part of my like constellation of mar- modern blah movies like Hell and High Water, uh, Three Billboards, Shape of Water, Arrival. Th- those are kind of, like they're all part of that same nebula of uh, yeah. just I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? I think for you, any Denny Denny Villeneuve movie probably falls under that for you. But see, I don't even consider myself like a Denny Villeneuve hater or anything of like that. I just but I, pe- I, I people don't... give you shit for not absolutely adoring those movies. Yeah, and yeah. he does have Blade Runner on the list, doesn't he? He does. He he does have that one at least. Yeah. There, so it's rep- I guess he is represented. I, any more would maybe be overkill. So that, that's a mm-hmm. good call. Uh, I would include uh, perhaps Baby Driver. 
Oh, yeah. That one would fit. <laughs> and uh, I think, I don't know if it's a movie we dump on so much, but Summertime kind of represents the movie where I was like, what the fuck is the point of this? And RJ actually liked it. That's a... You you just didn't understand. I was it, feeding it, you ravioli and you wanted beef steak, man. See, it, it was this, a good it, show. It is a movie that is referenced way more than it you could ever believe. I think. No one ever thought we'd be dropping summertime beef steak references. Uh, Two hundred episodes <laughs> here, in. here in twenty twenty. Well, it's happening. Those are good polls. You got any others? That's about it. Those were my uh, okay. my go tos. What about you two? Well, let's uh, Ryan. Do you is there any off the top of your head? It's that you you think that we dump on all the time. You know, movies where you like when you were listening to the podcast and you go, "Oh fuck, they're talking about this again." Yeah, there. I mean, that does happen a lot. <laughs> but you know, I feel like I feel like you really nailed it. And those ones you added were also some good ones. Yeah. Oh man, I just I can't think of any other ones to add. I guess. Well, I know. I know uh, Oliver Granger is probably screaming, but uh, if Martyrs doesn't pop up on this list, I think uh, we'd be remiss. Not for dissing the movie, but uh, apparently we mention it a little too much. Apparently. Is Sallow on it? That was on it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that one's right at the top. That's a corner. Number number two. Number two. Only the the old fight club. (laughs) Yeah, and I see some people are starting to make comments. Corpse got on here with his Panos Kaismatios uh, recommendations. <laughs> That's how that guy talks. Uh, David uh, Posak, uh, he's on here too. So, uh, yeah, I, I encourage everyone to go over there and uh, make some comments uh, to help help him out a little bit. I really can't think of any, Jared, because I don't know how to do that. Uh, the one thing I'm looking at, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, man, you could take – four of these movies and put them onto someone's favorite films list and one day we'll find <laughs> them and it'll be like oh my god i guarantee we've seen that uh with it would be call me by your name blade, blade runner, runner yeah. uh avengers and probably uh the star wars movie or the, hereditary the, the, the third one <laughs> the star wars uh what is it yeah rise of skywalker yeah remember that <laughs> one it's a good it's a good show Whew. Whew. that was odd uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of any, but I think you had some good recommendations. All right. Well, that's it, I guess. Uh, yeah, and if people j- jump in there, you can comment on the list. All right. Yeah, the Creeps Toilet. <laughs> Next Kidding. up, one Reese Hackster. Ooh, the sugar head. What's he into? He writes, long live the new flesh. Hey, nice. big ride boys. If you're reading this, it means you've somehow avoided being canceled by the Gorky guys for yet another week. Hope mm-hmm. you are both well. I finished mm-hmm. up a show this week. You heard about this Neon Genesis Evangelion? You seen this? Let me tell you. It was a pretty good show. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to that Blu-ray set being released. In front of the show, Ryan Nagel, what do you think about Jay Leno? <laughs> I'm I'm for it. I'm for the bit. <laughs> Everything. This show, as many bits as you can get in, recurring bits. I'm I'm for all of them. So. It's it's so hard to keep track sometimes. I think I need a poster in front of the wall in me where it's just like it's a generic response. You see in this, you hear in this, things like things like that, just so I can keep track of all of it. No. Anyway, unrelated to Video Drone Week with Thanksgiving fast approaching, I figured I'd ask what your top Thanksgiving foods are. As someone with a bit of a sweet tooth, 
I'm a big sweet potatoes and pumpkin pie guy. Separately, Ooh. of course, not together. And Thanksgiving mm -hmm. is the best time for those. Looking oh, yeah. forward to hearing your thoughts on Videodrome. Kind regards, Sugarhead. God damn, it's good to hear from him. Uh, I'm going to rock his world a little bit. Jarrett doesn't like Thanksgiving. I I think it's overrated. Whoa. So add that to the creep's toilet. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Just <I> thanks, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Just put... Uh, but do you have anything that you do like from Thanksgiving dinner, Jarrett? Hmm. Like you're not even like a stuffing guy, a pecan I, pie guy. Pecan pie. Wait, it, a, is this is it a whole is it entire dislike for the holiday itself, or more just yeah, like the food? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not like super crazy about turkey in general. I mean, I don't know. It just yeah, it's another excuse for people to get together and eat a bunch of fucking food. I don't know. Thanksgiving just has like always been my probably. It's like Easter. Both of those. They're kind of like these weird in between excuses people use to get together. And I don't know. I just nothing. It's just food. It's just food. It's an opportunity to eat more food, I guess. But nothing really. Yeah, there's nothing really beyond that, I guess. Yeah. So, especially in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it seems like in Canada's come so early. Weird to me. I think it's like yeah, it's a, in like two weeks. Yeah. That I like. Though. I was gonna say that yeah. to to keep the the trend of all Canadian content that we're gonna have tonight yes. is mm -hmm. gotta say the October date for for Thanksgiving is is superior to the Americans November one. It's too, it's too it close to Christmas. That's it. It is yep. way too close. <laughs> it's yeah. like their two biggest holidays, and they're like, isn't it like it's like less than thirty days between? Yeah, it's horseshit. And it just turns into the uh, shop for Christmas day weekend yeah. like that's all it is for four days hey it's thanksgiving better go fucking buy stuff uh, I, i'm gonna agree with sugarhead here though and uh yeah i mean sweet potato pie and pumpkin pie are both pretty awesome pecan pie also awesome so, so it's desserts it's all the it's all the uh autumn dessert i guess that's worthwhile i guess but you can eat it for the entire four months so i don't know why you need one particular weekend to do that well I, I've been trying to get Andrea to cook turkey for me all summer, but she says it's not a summer dish. So, whoa, turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing. I've, I wanted that in ju in July, but apparently it's out of season. What? Legend. Yeah, come on, Andy. Brit, Brit is a very pro cook a turkey like any, you know, not like ripping them up all the time. Because well, they're, they're, they're so expensive holiday. year round, like other than like yeah. the, the designated period when they're not oh. like $80 for a bird. Oh, yeah. my friends, you just got to get the right hookups with the Hutterite colonies. They'll oh, just yeah. give it you turkey. <laughs> that's where that's where you know you you got it made. And they feed you so long. It was only a few weeks ago you guys were talking about how you dressed uh, turkey sandwiches or turkey buns, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, some little, oh, yeah. yeah, that, that horrifying wow. I'm sandwich this of got mine. Brought, yeah, this got brought up again. What a, what a perfect segue. I can weigh in on the, on the troubling <laughs> stance of ketchup on turkey. That's a big no-go. Britt does that too, oh. and I can't. I can't get ah, on board. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm a big mustard and uh, Miracle Whip or mayo is fine, and a lot of pepper. That's the way you gotta go. Yeah, I'll, I'll have that too. But uh, yeah, there's sometimes there's, there's a weird uh, satisfaction with ketchup. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm not gonna defend it. It's it should be gross to people, but you just can't get enough of that red gold, hey? R R RJ, what's your turkey pick? What's your Thanksgiving pick, I should say? Fucking turkey and stuffing, my man. That's Mashed potatoes, the whole meal. I everything. just, I love, I love Thanksgiving dinner. I am all over that shit. All over it. What uh, would be the most dis disappointing thing to be missing, though? 
what would be the thing you'd be like heartbroken if you like showed up and they're like, you had everything else, but oh, one thing just oh, it didn't work out. Um, I think it would be stuffing because I go. feel like even though it's a side, it's an important side and it's not something that you get with like, you know, you're, you don't get stuffing when you make like a pot roast at home, you know, it's a, t- it's a turkey thing. So when you miss that, it's game over, buddy. It's game over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel? What's uh, what is your go-to dish at Thanksgiving? I, I'm on board with all of it. Kind of like you guys said, big, big pumpkin pie guy. Mm-hmm. really like pumpkin pie um and yeah all of this stuff at, at thanksgiving and actually when you asked that i was gonna say uh you know i really like turkey too but stuffing gotta have stuffing and mm-hmm. in my house how or in our family's household growing up the stuffing is a little different my my mom is actually from newfoundland mm-hmm. so, but uh they do the stuffing there i guess it's really basic but they add uh, savory, like the herb savory, and I don't think a lot of people put that in their stuffing. So it's like a very specific because we've had non-family people over Thanksgiving. They're like, "Oh, that stuffing's really good," and it's different. But that's that's like our thing that I look forward to having when I'm around family for that. So savory, yeah, it's give it a Google. The savory is like a, an herb. I think it like it grows even there too. But you can get it at some specialty places. I think. I'm going to whip this out this Thanksgiving. You better believe that. Google, yeah, look up like a traditional savory oh. Newfie dressing <laughs> recipe and make it. I got it. I got a line on this. Newfoundland savory herb. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm all over this bad boy. We can order it from eastcoastcatalog.com. You must be it's... able to get it in Creepsville Summer because my, my mom and family, they don't get yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm checking this out. We're 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 gonna. This will be a new Patreon thing. Buy us savory from the East Coast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. Next up, nice. Jared Berger. Oh, a real guy. Burgers <laughs> and captions. <laughs> to the creeps. Thank you for letting me onto the show. The conversation was fun, and I think we had some good discussion regarding that slacker. Letting random people have the opportunity to have full sabotage control is quite risky. I considered coming on with my dinner, but I decided against it. (laughs) Speaking of which, the post-pod conversation focused on what I was going to have for a secondary dinner. I decided on eating at the local In-N-Out, which now stands in the place of a coffee shop featured in Slacker. I was curious what local regional burger joints the creeps and listeners enjoy. What do you, I, I love the I love the food talk. I love it. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, what do you order? What what makes these places special? Technically, my favorite is a joint called Dirty Martins that has been running for over ninety five years. <laughs> that is Whoa. within throwing distance, but they closed in March due to COVID. Fingers crossed they open back up, but if the Great Depression couldn't kill them, I'm sure COVID won't. My order yeah. at in and out uh, is an animal-style double-double with green chilies and then fries and no drink. The burger has two patties, Ooh. two cheese slices, lettuce, tomato, and a special spread. I believe this is mayo, Damn. mustard, ketchup, and relish. The animal style grills the patties in mustard and adds grilled onions and pickles. The fries are quite polarizing at in and out but I love them. Uh, before we continue on, what, what are our uh, our jo- our I, burger joints? Do we have them? Like we I mean, have, we got McDonald's. Remember, remember Burger Baron? I was gonna yeah. say that's the that's the deepest Creepsville burger pull. <laughs> oh yeah, that was Burger Baron was awesome, and they had wicked milkshakes too. Yeah. Some, sometimes you just go for the milkshake there, right? Did you ever do that, you guys? I don't I would. know if I did. 
I don't think I did. Yeah, I'd, I'd get it when I got the food for sure. Yeah. They had those like real saucy, saucy patties, those dipped barbecue <laughs> sauce patties. Oh yeah, that's that's how you can tell a real professional, like a real dad move, where it's like they're barbecuing, and then on the heating uh, part, like they they have a pot full of barbecue sauce and finished burgers. They just drop in the barbecue yeah. sauce, <laughs> and it's like I want a burger. It's like dig it out of the sauce, bud. <laughs> I like that. That's a that's a good move. Yeah, but. Uh, have you have no did either of you ever go to the the Wendy's in Vauxhall? I have been there. I've oh. been there before. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's really good. You might have to explain what that means because it's not a real Wendy's, right, Jared? Yes, it's it is a burger place called Wendy's that mm-hmm. has nothing nothing to do with the Wendy's chain. It's just like a coincidence, I guess. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like the person yeah. who owned it is. Was, was or created it was a person named Wendy and mm-hmm. it was where Wendy made burgers and uh I it just was allowed to exist because it probably predated the, the the real franchise I'm assuming but yeah I've never I've heard about it and I'm not mm-hmm. even sure if they're still open they might be done now like, just, just like just like uh, Burger Baron at least in Lethbridge no more yeah because it's, it's a Starbucks now yeah, yeah. unfortunately <laughs> Yeah, I had been to that Wendy's. That's actually it's crazy you brought that up. I would have never thought of it, mm-hmm. but I used to work out in that area. I don't know, like six or eight years ago now, probably. And I remember, yeah, they were really good. They had really good onion rings. I think that was like mm-hmm. one thing they were really known for. Yeah. Real crispy boys, but <laughs> big crispy daddies, <laughs> right, Chair? That's right. Uh, we don't really have anything here. All we have, like, other than the main staples, is uh, like. For big burger joints, all we have is a fat burger and a five guys. That's it. Yeah. Really. And I mean, uh, any other, I get, I like to get the, the like roadhouse burger or something like that, where it has an onion, has a couple onion rings in it. I don't know. It's pretty big and messy, but I like it. That's all I really dabble with. There was a period of time where the, uh, the Creepsville Lodge, they had the best hamburger patty like mm-hmm. there was and i have no idea where they got it because i don't think they were making them in-house they were i think ordering them in but these were like really good gourmet burger patties and hmm. i figured that they were getting from somewhere because uh at the uh, banff art center they had mm-hmm. the exact same patty <laughs> like it tasted the, the, identical hmm. and i went huh oh. like, well why don't they why, why isn't everyone sourcing this goddamn burger patty like this thing <laughs> is so good and it's very sad because uh the creepsville lodge uh no longer has the same restaurant it is now a, mm-hmm. a italian restaurant and uh, mm-hmm. no more no more delicious burgers so it's a sad uh, sad day so i had to settle for five guys which i think is actually pretty good but yeah, it's pretty good. I have two things to say, and then I think we should get friend of the show Ryan Nagel on because his current location probably has way better burger joints than us. Yeah. But two things. That Italian table, that's where a guy ordered a plate of bolognese to share with me at as a starter, which was <laughs> problematic to say the very least. Uh, and two, do you, do you think the patties were from uh, the Mad Butcher, Jarrett? No, I've, no. Because if it, if there was at more than one place, I, I there has to have bef- been like this. A this this I think this predates the Mad Burger, uh, the Mad Butcher. Oh, okay. And I don't All think right. I don't know if Banff is getting their uh, burger patties from the Mad Butcher. Oh. <laughs> we can hope, but any well, Ryan lives in a, a way bigger city than we do, so he he might have uh, better burger options. I don't know if you have any main goals. Yeah, I live in I live in Calgary now, so a bit bit bigger of a city than Creepsville. But 
Yeah, I don't know. There's Calgary has Peters, and people love to talk about yeah. that place as like a iconic Alberta mm-hmm. staple. I think it's a little overrated, in my opinion. They have really good onion rings, and their milkshakes <laughs> are, are pretty good. But the burgers yeah. are, they're whatever. They're like, they're like Burger Baron, kind of to be honest. <laughs> Which is like, I mean, it's good, but mm-hmm. it's not like you know, people are rushing around to get that. But right, yeah, and I'm, I'm, a, I too, I'm like. I love this, by the way. I I I could talk fast food. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about. As I brought up, is my highlight of the of the weekend was trying mm-hmm. a chicken sandwich. But uh, yeah, we we're we're a big McDonald's family actually, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just so yeah. Especially with kids, it's crazy because like you know it's hard enough to get to get oh, your man. damn kids to eat anything, and then like mm-hmm. when you're out and doing stuff, there's always a McDonald's somewhere in a drive-through. It's so easy to just grab that kid a mcdouble and just whip it in the back of the van and then lunch is done so we get a lot we get a lot of that i feel like morgan um, spurlock is somewhere crying right now <laughs> that's okay he uh he he deserved it he, he's a bad dude i think yeah. <laughs> i believe it's come out yeah yeah but i i i endorse the mcdonald's recommend I, i'm a big mcdonald's guy myself but and i, you, I know yeah. i like i mean i i'm pretty Obviously, I'm pretty I'm pretty impartial, though. I like it all. Like, Wendy's is great. I, I really, and you know, controversial take, a, a divisive, some may say, take. Burger King, I'm a big Burger King guy. I know RJ also can get mm-hmm. on board. I don't know, Jared, where you stand on Burger King. Oh, I'm, but... not, a, I'm not a Burger King fan. <laughs> I think I, the proximity it's... of the high schools for him maybe turned him the other way. Yeah. To, to where? Uh, to, <laughs> the two guys' pizza slices and, uh, no, ta- and Taco mean, Bell? Like... A taco Wait. time. <laughs> so, for people not from our our local city, which is everyone listening, there yeah. was two big high schools in our town. Ryan and I went to the the good one. Jared went to the other one, the bad one. But, but, but like, a, but, but also place. like, but also like a decade apart. A, a decade apart. <laughs> However, there was a Burger King right beside both of us. Yes. And a lot of people, Andy doesn't like Burger King because she's like, because uh, our junior high was right there too, and she's like, for six years. All I smelt was Burger King, and I was like, "That's why I like it." <laughs> yeah, to be honest. Well, you, you, have, you have KFC crazy. just across the street. See, but that that came a little later. No, no, they, that, they, was they, 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 that was there. That was there forever. Been, yeah, they've both been there for forever. Yeah, I was too lazy to cross the street. Burger King was yeah. closer, so yeah. yeah, Burger King's just better. It <laughs> is. Okay, have, have either of you had a Dairy Queen burger in the last few years? Uh huh. Yeah. There, I like I, man. I don't know the the last time I had one, it was so gross. Like it had no flavor. It was like you were just eating matter. I was like, huh, it's quite a step down after. Uh, maybe, but I don't know. Maybe it's like once you've had enough McDonald's, everything tastes good. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a regular burger or a flamethrower? I, I was a flamethrower, I think, or like mm. maybe. Or maybe it was like a double cheeseburger. Right? Anyway, it was just like man. I was so because I, I used to love their burgers, but after mm. not having one for a really long time. Um, and going back to it, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take a blizzard, but I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 they can keep the burgers. I'll even take a chili dog. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they used to have a, che- a cheesy chili dog, and even like way back when, they used to have a super dog. It was like a, oh. a foot long, a foot long hot dog, just smothered oh. in chili sauce. Oh, amazing! Outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Dairy Queen falls into a weird one because it's like not cheap and not the best. So I mean, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough sell. It's 
I'm pretty impartial, though. I would still eat Dairy Queen, and it would be probably fine. But... <laughs> yeah. I, I would eat any of them. I just love cheeseburgers. Like, yeah, someone same. asked Andrew yeah. once, they're like, what's RJ's favorite food? And, he, and she was like, cheeseburgers, 100%. And they were like, really? And I was like, fuck yeah. It's like, I'll pound cheeseburgers all day. It's like you're, oh, yeah. it's like you're wimpy from Popeye. Just pounding burgers? Yeah. Or like yeah, jugging throw them in a hole too like you know the cartoonish style where it's just like how and the whole burger goes down Mm -hmm. the good style yeah i'm the same and when like when i go to the states if you go on vacation or whatever like it's a it's a destinations that are like planned out like ooh, i can go to shake shack for the first time like oh i gotta go to the they got an in and out here or whatever shake shack is really good i've had that we've had that on a trip we did uh, when we went to Colorado before the world exploded. Yeah, it was crazy good. Right. Yeah, very good. And uh, in and out, I think is great. I was gonna say though, not to not we've talking about burgers probably for half the episode, but <laughs> Jared Burger, real guy, he, yeah. he living in Texas, and he went to In and Out. Why didn't you go to Whataburger, man? Whoa, that's good the one question. place I haven't been. I've never been to Texas. And I think that they have locations that extend out of it, but I want to try Whataburger because I hear a lot of those people, and there's a big clash between Whataburger yeah. fans and uh, In-N-Out yeah. people. Yeah. Well, our, our, I guess we should send uh, Jared Burger on assignment, and he's mm-hmm. going he's gonna to have to report back. Well, I uh, I can't wait to hear it. And the Whataburger thing, like I'm noticing Ryan's Mega 64 shirt, those those boys like cheeseburgers. So I think if there was ever uh, a brand of podcast that could rival us for uh, fast food talk, it would be mega 64. Although they are wildly successful and popular and we are just a, a global international success. Only. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, what else is new, Jer? Well, Jared continues. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> moving on. While listening to your Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas episode, I was interested in your talk about captions. I've created a great deal of captions for a TV show I was the post-producer on, and I can tell you that captions for Fear and Loathing must have been hell. The problem with using automated software is that the work you have to put into checking mistakes, separating characters, and formatting them properly often takes more work than doing them in a semi-automated uh, semi-automated workflow. I have the highest respect for people who work on captions. That being said, what gripes uh, do you have with specific streaming platforms or media? I particularly hate Netflix's big ass font and how the criterion channel only does captions for non-english films what other films have just incorrect captions that's all for now jared Berger, real guy god damn it's good to hear from him uh, i have some opinions but uh, do you have anything to say jared mm, yeah i think that not having english subtitles is real bad actually yeah it sucks the, the one that's that, so weird the one that comes to yeah. mind uh is amazon prime their i think their captioning is like probably the all-time worst i was trying oh. to watch uh baskin last year mm-hmm. and it was completely broken like it the the subtitles were out of whack and there was no way of fixing it and they just like Meh. they didn't give a shit and uh i think there was like last year when uh, disney channel first launched um Corey was telling me that I think his like Star Wars like New Hope it was like the French version so it was like English but like all the like intertitles uh-huh. were French and it was like well it's just, it's just Canada right <laughs> it's like oh that's yeah. good so I mean it was like English language but yeah there was like yeah French all over it and you're like that seems like a poor calculation I think they've since fixed it but mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think they fixed it now, and I think you can even adjust the size of the captions, or that might be Crave. One of those two, you can actually pick the size and the the uh, tint or like the color for the caption, yeah. which which is wicked. I can't remember which one it is. I thought but... it actually not to interject, but yeah. when you started talking about Prime, I just watched something this week on Prime, and I remember the default the default one on Prime. I was like, oh, I don't like this, and then I went in, like, kind of went to just tinker with it, and yeah, I think yeah. they have it's like three size settings, mm-hmm. and then it's like just the font or like a semi-translucent background or like a solid black. I was like, oh, at least there's options. But I don't know. I can't I can't speak to like the accuracy or whatever of it. Right. But the I, option yeah. is nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, the you go ahead. Cool for that. No, yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're right. I think it is prime. But I have gotten that too, where it's like the captions were just wrong. Like they were the wrong movie. Or like, the, <laughs> like I got that once on prime, like, early early day prime in canada when it wasn't even available on your tv it was only mobile which was the absolute shits like one time it was <laughs> oh, just yeah. long I forgot and i was like that. i was like this isn't the movie i was like i know i know the what they're saying but um you know what uh you know what really gets my goat Jarrett? what criterion channels fucking captions they are the worst because yeah they you can't have them for english movies so i can't screen cap with captions which is horseshit that it's not an option uh and what about like the hearing impaired they're they're just not gonna have captions for them like yeah uh the other thing is for the longest time in some movies like i know some movies it's burnt in so they don't have control but sometimes uh all the time with criterion it's white on white and there's no shadow there's like no box shadow behind the letters it happens oh. sometimes on Criterion Channel, and it's wow, super really? frustrating. Because that's like a that's yeah. a that's a pretty that's like an automatic setting these days. <laughs> you just hit drop shadow, and you can set it. Yeah, that's yep. uh that's trash. Because that's like an old thing. Like old VHS tapes used to be like the subtitles were like unreadable because it was like mm-hmm. bad copies and like white backgrounds and just white text on top. And you're like, what does that say? And you just went, oh well, mm-hmm. we'll never have a better way. So yeah, that's uh uh-huh. that's something. <laughs> the shits it's the shits yeah, yeah i gotta agree Anyways. with all you guys too i i've i've become in recent years a big caption boy though mm-hmm. i like i like captions a lot and i maybe it's because i have kids and stuff i in was my gonna house say like, you can turn down the volume a little bit yeah. make sure there's no risk or you can hear them coming or doing things and be like yeah so you can just read along yeah exactly and yeah, I, I don't know i find I, I get a little more out of it like i pick up little things in dialogue that yep i might not have caught or I like even sometimes when they shoot in a quick line of like background people talking or something and you might pick up something from that. And it's like, I never would have heard that otherwise, but, yeah. but yeah, oh, anyway, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. There's, I don't know. There's so many streaming UI is so bad, like crave and Amazon prime. Like they're, you know, even though they had options on the thing, like everything else about it sucks so much. And the captions, the caption systems usually are pretty bad as well. Like mm-hmm. Netflix is a really big, we watched some a whole Brit and I watched a whole series on Netflix with captions on the whole time. And uh, yeah, I was like so painful, like in the opening credits of the show with like the text on the bottom for like a, <laughs> like on a 20 minute show and like the, te- you know, the credits probably go for like five minutes of it. And then you have these massive captions on the top. It's like, yep. there's like hardly anything on the screen is showing, but. <laughs> and it's like a, a musical note. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Music plays. Yeah. We get it. We get it. Oh, Hoy, next up, we're halfway through the mailbag. Holy shit. Justin <laughs> Peterson. Oh, baby. Take the bull by the horns and just ride it. Oh, 
Hey, Jared, RJ, and mystery <laughs> guest host. What's happening? Ooh. That's you, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. Last what? week, I mentioned I was coaching two of my sons' coach pitch baseball team. Typically, I'm just an assistant since I never played that much baseball. But this week, I showed up and pretty much was asked to lead the way. And after a few moments of unprepared hesitation, I did just that. Hopefully, nice. what I bring to the table does lead to some results in the field. We have a good core group of kids playing mound, first, second base. So that should give us a fighting chance. What was a situation where you guys got pushed into a leadership role that you were not expecting, and how did you handle it? Wow, this is a, this is a big question. Whoa. Uh, I, I assume leadership, Jared. I walk into any scene, and I take ownership of that room Yeah, immediately, just like this podcast. I mean, I mean you're such an alpha. I am an <laughs> alpha bull. I am the creator of the Criterion Creeps. I edit every episode. I just do it all. You're, such, you're I, I do so it butch. I just, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a manly dude, my man. I know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever put in a situation, I don't know, maybe like group projects, <laughs> like university. <laughs> like, I mean, there were times where like I was, uh, I was like a captain on the football team, but like that was, wow. A, that was you. like a sign. <laughs> like, but it wasn't like dropped on me out of nowhere. Like I knew it was coming. So I don't know. Does that count? Sure. Okay. I mean, if this was a job interview, I'd be like, wow. You, 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 and then I'd like start talking to, to you about football. You want to talk about football? No. <laughs> God, okay. no. We, that'll be the sidecast. Um, yeah, I feel like I, uh, I'm, I've, I have to fucking do this podcast every week. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no one else is going to do it. Well, accurate. And, uh, you know, this is the life you chose. No. Oh. This is it. This, this, you get what this. you deserve. <clears throat> Quote Joker. <laughs> hey, did you know, uh, RJ, that The Dark Knight is currently playing at Movie Mill? I saw it. I am very tempted, but I am still... Are you afraid of... Are you more afraid of COVID or incel attack? Uh, I mean, aren't they the same thing, man? Isn't COVID <laughs> the incel of the virus world? I'd have to ask my... i have to go to my QAnon uh, Twitter feed. Because it's, yeah. it's not on Reddit. Apparently, Reddit's, I was, was reading about how Reddit's really good at quashing that stuff. Damn. I had no idea. I know. Too normy uh, of a news story. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I'm not even like, it's not the COVID stuff that's keeping me out of the theaters. It's, I, I kind of don't think they should be open, so I don't really want to support it. Do you well, know what I mean? Isn't that part of that? Is this kind of oh, part and I, parcel I know, of and, it? <laughs> People listening might get mad because all everyone is like big movie boys on this podcast or big movie girls. They exist too. But it's like, I don't know. It's like, should they be open? I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answers are. So I'm just I'm just gonna avoid it until uh till it all clears over, you know. I was walking over by the uh that new YMCA and that parking lot was full. I bet they were all in the pool breathing on each other, spitting in the pool, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to the question Ryan, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel Have you ever been thrown into a leadership role That you were not prepared for? That is a tough question um, and A nice little story though Getting some some dad talk in So I can oh, man. relate to that My kids are, are too young for Organized sports quite yet Actually my, my oldest would have But a lot of that stuff got uh, squashed by, by COVID Which was too bad mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know it's kind of hard. Maybe just being a parent, it would be a pretty big one. <laughs> That's a good call. 
but uh i feel like since i am in, in certain social situations or whatever i think i just kind of like default into that mode i changed gears into like mm-hmm. being the dad or looking out for things and i get i get ragged on by people for that sometimes so <laughs> it's okay you it was it was wicked Jarrett, when we went to colorado me friend of the show ryan nagel and alternative friend of the show taylor lenore who is yet to be uh brought up at in any way other than just casual mentioning when we were in colorado uh, colorado we were in difficult situations and a uh, dad mode ryan nagel came in and uh, he handled it he took care of us he told you two to settle down yeah hey <laughs> settle down out there <laughs> quit horsing around, quit horsing around. <laughs> yeah. sometimes you need it sometimes you need to be adjusted but yeah, other than that, that's probably that's all I <laughs> that's got. That's it. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> Moving right along. Justin, it continues. I pulled a real slacker move and forgot to chime in about my admiration of that film last week by saying, imagine clerks, but with a whole lot more supposedly sophisticated people walking around and chatting it up. Mm. Sorry I'm late. That's okay. Time doesn't exist. Also, <laughs> it was great to hear that Jared Berger was in fact a real guy and his Austin insights added some great context to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, it is Videodrome week, but instead of watching it again in time for this episode, I've spent the last few nights making my way through Vim Vender's nearly five-hour cut of Future Creep until the end of the world. What upcoming Vender's criterions are you most looking forward to? Paris, Texas, because uh... I haven't seen that movie forever, <laughs> and it seems like everybody who watches that movie is super like over the moon for it. So I remember being really good when I watched it way back when, but other than that, you know... I'm not a big Wings of Desire fan. You could probably add that to the Creeps Toilet, honestly. But uh, how about you, RJ? You you a big Vim Vendors boy? Uh, You know what? Uh, I don't understand the question, and uh, I refuse to answer. Front of the show, Ryan Nagel. How how are you feeling about Vim Vendors? I was just going to say, if, if it's good RJ does it now, because this was going to be my first showing of I don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, if we're talking burgers, I can hang all day. We can do burger mm-hmm. talk, but I don't know who that is. Sorry. So also, I'm, I'm, first I'm, I'm, I'm having a flashback now to uh, this is like, because you were party to this conversation, I think you and Sugarhead, uh, about yeah. after we did this like three, four hour episode on Roger Corman, finding out that like no one knows who Roger Corman is and uh, being <laughs> uh-huh. like, I, I see. My, <laughs> I feel like this is like part and parcel of that experience, which I'm totally fine with. I did, uh, to be fair, in my defense, I do I did know who Roger Corman was, but I don't know if I had seen any of his movies. Oh, okay, but That's since he's like so yeah. like horror adjacent or like influential in that, yeah. I I had heard and I knew it was familiar with some, but can't say I've I don't think I've seen a single movie. When we started Cormier, I had seen zero, and now he is <laughs> is and will continue to be my most watched director of all time oh, until <laughs> the new Stan Brackages drop in, a, in about a year or two. And then uh, next May when we do just Franco May. <laughs> I thought we were doing Fred Olin May. Oh, I know. We, are, we will be doing that. But uh, I'm just, the, many... the, the threat is out there that uh, you're going to see so much Vag, RJ. Oh. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Actually, I'm no. looking. I'm looking at the Roger Corman list right now, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised I have him because I've been close to watching Chopping Mall and like past Creeptovers and some other stuff, Slumber Party Massacre. So it was actually narrowly missed oh, that I had. Those, those are produced. Yeah. So those oh. are actually Jim Wynorski films, which I might say those are pretty oh, yeah. high quality movies too. But yeah, that's the big thing about Roger Corman. He produced like 
what 250 movies or some shit yeah yeah that's probably why i defaulted to that when i just searched it on letterbox because he has more i would have guessed yeah, sometimes yeah. like when you look it up, like it defaults to producer, and then you have to change mm-hmm. it because they're, yeah. they're dicks. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you look up directors like David Cronenberg, and it defaults to actor, and it's like, it's like what's why what he's most be? famous for, RJ? Yeah, Come on. well, for uh, his uh, appearance in Nightbreed, the Basically. Clive Barker movie, or what? Phil- and where's that filmed, RJ? That's true. Exactly. Oh, Nightbreed. Yeah, uh, where uh, Ryan Nagel lives, mm-hmm. uh, Calgary, Alberta. That's right. Oh, yeah. Really? You know? Mm-hmm. Are, 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 speaking Check of, actually, these are big things. Uh, friends of Ryan Nagel, are you going to be doing Creeptober with us? Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Good. Nice. I was wondering if there was any emails in that. I I, I started my, well, I don't know. Are we going to get into this right now? This could be another big touch-in. But I, for, <laughs> whatever. Ta- you guys have talked about your list, I guess, a little <laughs> bit in some past uh-huh. ones. But, yeah, my, my list, I, I started, like, every year, I mean, I'm, this is it's funny I think Arjun and I kind of talked to this section before but some of your fans it's funny how this is another thing you unabashedly lean into your your <laughs> your interest in horror movies in this which is just the best because that's that's where our Venn diagrams of, of cinema really overlap I guess Hell in yeah. interest but um so I, I like those I listen to the the ghoul schools and I'm usually like adding to my watch list on ones that you know you guys deem to be good plus stuff that I hear about or want to watch but I start my list by just like going through my watch list and like adding all the things that I hadn't seen and it's like it's obviously way too big already to hit in a month so I gotta like go and critically look it's fun though making the list picking stuff that like you know gotta hit a maybe a giallo maybe you know a couple slashers gotta do a nine couple 90s horror movies or whatever so Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I'm not. I haven't quite refined it. But it's October is rapidly approaching. So yeah, it, well, one week. It's the thirtieth. Oh, so, whew. all right. Justin continues. Goat movie question of the week. Sticking with this until the end of the world theme. Uh, what are your favorite Sam Neill movies? The only movies I have liked him in are, of course, Jurassic Park, Possession, and why not throw in Hunt for the Red October in there, too. I hated Event Horizon, but maybe I should give that one another chance. Sam Neill. It's the strangest poll I've heard in a long time, Jarrett. <laughs> in the mouth of madness. Yep. You yeah. see, there's, well, there's like there's like this great like four pack of Sam Neill horror movies that you just have yeah. to go with. Because uh, even uh, I. I don't mind Omen 3. That movie is, like, pretty fucking bad. But there's some, like, really crazy stuff in there that's kind of worth watching, even though it's got probably one of the worst endings in, like, most movies. Mm. Uh, Let's take a gander here. Old New Zealander, Sam Neill. I'm going to second in the madness. RJ still has to watch Dead Calm. What is Dead Calm? It's like Knife in the Water, but good. Oh, yeah, but I missed it. I should have watched it for uh, Knife in the Water. You still could. It's got curly-haired Nicole Kidman. Billy Billy Zane with hair. I feel hair. like I missed it. Oh. I feel like I missed it. You missed the opportunity? Yeah. What about the... Four uh, stars. Whoa, I, I don't know that one. That, it's like, as far as like 90s style thrillers, because I think it's actually 89, so right on the edge. Um, it's for 90s thrillers. It's like fantastic. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thriller on a boat on the open Pacific Ocean. And nice. It, it's, yeah, Sam Neill and his wife, they uh, run afoul of a water hitchhiker, essentially. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. It's, I, I, I high recommend. 
but yeah, I know. Yeah, Jurassic Park, I think, is where we were all introduced to Sam Neill, probably. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then basically it's all been working backwards. Have you watched Possession yet, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel? I have, yeah. Okay. That's mm-hmm. that's up there. That's that's one of those movies I really enjoyed watching it, but one of those ones like right at and I've only seen it one time, but yep. right after I was like, man, I kind of want to watch this again because I think my review, if people dig that up, but it was like it's one of those movies like I can tell I like it, but I, a little bit to unpack. Like I, mm-hmm. yep. it, it's, yeah, it's it's a cool movie though. That's yeah. a good one. In the mouth of madness, there's another one I was just looking at here. I I don't really understand uh, possession, but. It's cool. Yeah. I like that lizard guy. And he was really great in it. I remember how great he was. <laughs> and yeah. the lead Very actress. Cool. I forget her name. But... Hey, you know what's a movie that no one's mentioned? Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People by yeah. Taiki Watiti from uh, Oliver Granger's homeland, New Zealand. That's a good show. And uh, he's pretty good in that. <laughs> Too bad. Man, he's like, I, oh, he's on a lot of other stuff, though. Like, it's quite a drop of, like, I guess you would call obscure movies because I'd say like yeah. the cutoff for that is probably for Game most Breakers. people what Wimbledon. <laughs> no one cares about that. What is this with Willem Dafoe, the Hunter from 2011? Martin, a mercenary, is sent from Europe by an anonymous biotech company to the Tasmanian wilderness on a hunt for the last Tasmanian tiger, starring Willem Dafoe, Sam Neill. I, I just like the lead in an anonymous biotech company. It's like, <laughs> you know what's going on. I mean, that's, I mean, there you go. Oh, and uh, of course, uh, who could forget him in Memoirs of an Invisible Man? It's uh, John Carpenter, is it not? It is. And Chevy Chase. Whoa. My boy. And I think his most celebrated movie from New Zealand is My Brilliant Career. Maybe it's Australian. I don't know what that is. They're, they're the same movie. Yeah. Same place. Uh, same place. Onward, forward. It was great nice. to see the Twitter poll about what movies J- JD should catch up on, but I was pretty Ooh. chapped. The house that Jack built was not on there. What gives, brah? It's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. I've got a, I've got a week before Creeptober. I, uh, I also wanted to bring that up because I noticed you put a poll out there, and then before the poll ended, you just started watching movies so yeah. was when you <laughs> watched that one movie was that even leading the poll or were you just like fuck it i'm just gonna watch this I, one instead i was just gonna start watching movies okay uh, yeah I was, I was just kind of curious like what do people think i should watch i'm gonna watch whatever i'm gonna watch anyway there was a there was an if in that poll mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it sounds a little bit manipulative and toxic and i feel like uh, we're in a volatile relationship right now <laughs> I got oh, about just it continues. I got about halfway oh. through the kingdom so far, and I think it is safe to say very slow, somewhat amusing, mildly creepy Danish shows are not really my thing. Maybe I should, could muster the will to power through season two if JD checks out a certain recent Matt Dillon serial killer flick. It's happening. Don't worry. Foodie, foodie question of the week. Oh, good. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh man, this is the danger. We should almost just divide the episodes into like food chat and get all the questions out at once. <laughs> Foodie question of the week. If you were out at a fancy steakhouse, which mm. one or two of these desserts would you pick off the menu? Chocolate cake, southern caramel cake, ginger root creme brulee, salt shake, which is nocello, creme del coco, vanilla ice cream, warm cookies, local strawberry and cream cheesecake, whiskey bread pudding, 
warm Toll House cookie skillet, chef's selection of sorbets. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what a full uh, gauntlet of uh, desserts there. I'm going to go with the, the warm cookies and ice cream. Okay. Yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, I don't know. That's cr- There's a lot there. It's a I lot mean, to process. I- I'm not very picky. All that sounds pretty good. I like yeah. when I get when I go out to eat. I like to eat maybe like the most complicated things, or it's like I could not replicate this at home. So whatever of those yeah. is the most difficult. That's the only way to go. It, it, like unless it's something like you're going to you can only eat at a restaurant. There's really no point into paying restaurant prices for yeah. dessert either, because you get that little section of it. It's like is that really worth twelve bucks? <laughs> yeah. So you guys I'm, are shitting all over my cookies and ice cream. I got to tell you. So, 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 I mean, I don't know what a southern caramel cake is, but so I'd probably go with that. Yeah, that sounded good. I'm also a big ass the waiter or waitress guy. So oh. whatever. If they have an if they have a preference or can lead me right, then I usually go with that too. Mm-hmm. Justin, Hell yeah. Justin would definitely go with the whiskey bread pudding, which also sounds interesting. I have always had a soft spot for bread pudding since it was my grandfather's favorite. And after that, I would go with the caramel cake. Well, there you go. Mm. Finally, some toy talk to close things out. <laughs> my mind was blown last week when I heard RJ was also a fan of what was likely the most awesome forgotten animated show of my childhood, Dino Riders. I remember yeah. watching my VHS tape of it on repeat, which included commercials for the toys. But alas, yeah. I never recall ever seeing them in stores. But my question for this week is, did you ever have any remote controlled cars or car racing track or a car racing track? I remember the boxes for these ki- kinds of toys always looked super cool, but their luster would quickly fade when you would put them together and discover they did not work that great. Thanks for the time, gents, and enjoy talking about the new flesh. Cheers. Remote control cars. Uh, my dad had like an actual like remote control car from like it was like one of the higher end ones from Radio Shack back in the late eighties. That was kind of cool, but it seemed like it had a lot of downtime, which I think is a theme I've learned yeah. with all RC cars. And yeah, car racing tracks they never worked as well as you would want them to. Mm-hmm. Unless you probably you probably had to like shell out really good money for that though. I, I had some Hot Wheels. Does that count? Yeah. Did you play on the kitchen floor, smashing into them? Yeah, you'd smash them together. You'd throw them off the counter, and you you do all sorts of shit with them. They're Hot Wheels. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember of the show. we had we had uh, to tie it into some movie talk. We used to have my brother and I a uh, Batman and Robin themed slot car figure eight with like a right. bridge. So there was like a. There's an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze, like the mm-hmm. tank he had with the big freeze gun on the top. And then the yeah. Batmobile, that was pretty cool. And you'd race yeah. them on the two slots. But yeah, we had some some of those remote control cars are kind of cool. Like a like a monster truck kind of one with like low gears that could climb over stuff. But mm-hmm. a rock crawler. Yeah. Big Fancy. toy boys. <laughs> <laughs> so Goddamn. let's get these emails done. <laughs> Holy shit. How many are we, we still doing emails? Two. <laughs> Two. Holy fuck. This one's not too bad. Sam Sanchez. Okay. Creeptober. Nice. Hey there, pee hound and the rumpy pump master. Oh, I don't Whoa. know which one is which, but I don't, I don't endorse which it Which one at do all. you want to be? Neither. The, the, 
The podcast regulator's ears are peaked right now. <laughs> Got to tread lightly. Uh, oh, God. Not much this week. Just gearing up and getting an early start on Creeptober. After you guys mentioned it last week, I realized I hadn't really prepared for it at all. And now after working on a master list that was about 200 plus movies deep, I decided to just cheat and get an early start already on it since I didn't already have anything on the immediate watch list for this month. I do have all three of my kids' birthdays coming up by the end of the month. Oh, so I probably won't make too big a dent until October anyway, though. Though, I suppose that plus side of this, uh, if there is one at all for the pandemic, is I don't have to waste a ton of money on a party this year. (laughs) (laughs) Sad. All right, guys. Nothing at all this week, really. Can't wait for the ghoul schools. Man, I love that he basically just wrote in just to be like, ah, I don't have to pay for my kids' birthday parties this month. (laughs) You you gotta claim those small victories any way you can. Right. That's right. There's some very relatable dad dad talk on in the emails this week. Hell yeah, yeah. dad chat. <laughs> Finally, Actium Jackson Maximus. Holy shit! An email titled "Video Drone." Hello, creeps. Hope you guys are having a good week. I wanted to start out by saying that "quote unquote" real guy "quote unquote" was excellent on the podcast last week. Talk mm-hmm. of horror films and their effectiveness has me wondering what are some films that actually scared you. And I extend this to creep listeners as well. I remember Lake Mungo being incredibly difficult to get through when I was in high school watching at home alone. A few weeks ago, Jared asked for my opinions on "Everything Is Terrible," which I found to be unbearably annoying in. Doggy Doggy Woggies Poochie Woochies, and I have no desire to watch anything from them soon. Ogroff, the Mad Mutilator, was mentioned, and while it didn't work for me, I'd recommend another European trash film titled Violent Shit, which is so effective. No subtitles are needed. Pure cinema. Also, I wanted to add that RJ's mention of The Suckling reminded me of its existence as the grossest pro-life advertisement ever. And finally, with Jared uh-huh. watching I'm Thinking of Any Things, which apparently has some nods to Cassavetti's films, I was wondering what your thoughts on references like these are. Are they key to your enjoyment, or are they more so little additions that give you a greater appreciation? Keep up the work searching for the, quote, pearl in the shit stack, unquote, quote, RJ Baylog of Criterion's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh uh well he he's got a he got a few questions there movies that scared us uh i don't know man I, I think we've talked about this in like maybe a ghoul school or something there's not really anything now that scares me but there's lots of stuff that scared me as a little kid like the chucky movie scared the shit out of me and like poltergeist but uh i don't know that's because i was a little baby you know just a little baby <laughs> A little boy. Um, what uh-huh. about you, friend of the show? Um, I, yeah, I mean, watching a lot of horror movies, I guess you kind of get desensitized to some stuff. But I feel like I lean towards like not like big scare kind of movies, anyways. Mm-hmm. I was I was hoping to actually watch more this year of like ghost type ones or like sp- actual spooky ones. But yeah, more of a, I'm more of a slasher guy. But the the when you brought it when you when you mentioned it i can think of i i went to the ring when i was i don't know how we got into the theater i was pretty young and i remember watching that in a theater with like a group of other people that were scared that was Mm -hmm. as a young kid because it came out in i just checked i think 2002 yeah i was pretty young 12 yeah i don't know how i got in then but i remember Mm -hmm. being scared of that like not be able to watch some of those like sequences but Mm -hmm. and then the one the one biggest scare like as an adult like thinking of it was 
I can't remember how many years ago it was now. And it's not a horror movie, but when I first watched Mulholland Drive and I, I <laughs> did not know of that scene of the guy coming up from the dumpster, right. I was fucking like my reaction. I, I can't think of a more like visceral reaction my body has had to like a scene in a movie, like hair standing up. Like I felt ill. Like it was, and I was watching it like in the basement, loud TV. It wasn't like one of those lazy upstairs kind of viewing. So that's a, that's a really good one. I, they should put that on the, the Criterion thing. Uh, I felt ill. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. What about you, J-Dog? Uh, I mean, I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to think about the last time I remember being kind of like startled. And I guess like one of the ones that jumps out is uh, Exorcist 3. Oh, yeah. The, the, one, the one scene in that is like really well done. Yeah. And I have mentioned before uh, the movie In My Skin from 2002, directed by Barina Devan. That is a movie that I had to stop multiple times because it was like, it wasn't so much scary, but it was like just unsettling. Mm. And uh, yeah, those would be my two. And I guess like, like probably historically speaking, Blair Witch Project still is a movie that like, there's certain images in that they're just in my mind because I think it's because of the found footage nature where like there's times you go down the set of stairs and you kind of look into like a dark room and you're like, oh, is that Josh? Is that Josh facing against the wall in the corner? <laughs> was it? <laughs> no. Luckily there was there, there was no one there. But there's that, that there's that thought, especially when you're by yourself and you're just like, I don't know, you just feel like that weird little tension of like, being up late at night and you're just like oh what is that and you're like oh it's nothing and that's uh that's Blair Witch for me the idea of like being in a tent out in the middle of nowhere and then you're just like there could be someone on the other side of that and I think Mm -hmm. that movie captures that really well where like you watch like a Friday the 13th and they don't give a shit like they never drive that kind of uh, horror home very well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah RJ, Word, man. What what what, yeah. what causes you to shit your pants? <laughs> Just about everything these days. <laughs> no, I think I answered, didn't I? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> am I am I am I getting child's play? Am child's play. Bagooled? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, when you were play. when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. Child's play scared the living shit out of me, but that's because my mom made me watch it when I was like five years old, and like it was. It's one of those things that's an issue because when you're a little kid, you have toys like that. And then, like, the idea that they're going to come alive and kill you, it's scary. So uh, that scared the shit out of me for always and forever. And uh, I don't like it. And actually, uh, Justin Peterson's favorite movie, Event Horizon. I saw that in theater with my dad. Oh, yeah. Holy fuck. Seeing that at the uh, the old Paramount yeah. and, like, the sound system in there. Oh, like... <laughs> Like there's like just door like it was like kind of like almost like the like loud sound kind of effect though, but it it worked mm-hmm. so good because <laughs> I remember being like just like the whole time being like oh my god, anything anything can happen. <laughs> that, that's that another movie? Sam Neill movie we yeah. didn't mention. Hell yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's the uh, yeah it's, it's part of the yeah the horror movies of all of his are so great. Mm-hmm. Very good. <sighs> that's it for emails. Holy Christ! Hey RJ. Yo, friend of the short. <laughs> what have you been creeping on this week? Y'all bad boys like Star Trek? <laughs> oh my god. Do I ever? Do I yeah. I I love DS9. I love Star Trek. I love actually I only I only love when RJ talks about Star Trek though. 
I too, I've, I'm going to be a, the the vocal minority speaking for the fans right now. I'm I'm all for all of the Star Trek talk. Yeah, <laughs> that means we're powering all the way through the entire franchise, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, well, I was going to ask you, Jared, how do you want to approach this uh, between the three of us? Because I can just talk about Star Trek for right now. Or do you want me to talk about Star Trek and antiviral? Or what do you want, man? You're the boss. What do you want to do? I want to hear about DS9. DS9? All right. So I did try to keep it uh, somewhat manageable. I think I have five or six episodes. Oh, that's all? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you know this, but I watched all of I watched every supplement on the Videodrome uh, this week. So it kind of took up a little bit of time. Okay. But anyways, uh, so last week we finished off on uh, the Nagus, uh, and my review was that the Nagus rips Coke. And now, Ryan, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, if you've never seen the Nagus, I suggest you just do a, a Google search of the Nagus. N-A-G-U-S, Grand Nagus sec. The Grand Nagus, uh, and uh, he's a pretty impressive specimen. So I, uh, <laughs> uh, and in that episode, he ripped Coke, which was pretty funny. Was um, it like space Coke? Yeah, they called it something else. It was yeah. like fleas or something like that. It was like, here, get some flea dust or something. But he, it was in a little paper thing, and he, he just like put it to his nose and ripped it. So some, I was like, some uh, nose clams. Yeah, I was like, that's the first time I've seen cocaine on Star Trek, but that's cool. Negus uh, rips Coke, four stars. Four stars, <laughs> baby. <laughs> All right, so now that was 2.07. So uh, 2.08, Neo Noir. Odo Secret Origins, three out of four stars, oh, my man. We're getting into those three out of fours on a regular basis. We got a couple. We got a couple. So this episode was really cool. It's uh, it shows how Odo became uh, the constable on DS9 when the Cardassians still ran it. Uh, and the thing I really liked about it is uh, it's got a really gritty feel. Um, like it's it's kind of grimy. It's got dark colors. Everything's uh, Cardassian mm-hmm. run, so it's like Nazi nazi occupation germany everyone's like all depressed and like afraid of the cardassians and i actually thought it was really neat because that's not something you really usually see in these shows you know jer but but i mean ds9 is changing the game they're changing the game so that was a good episode uh 2.09 cisco gets catfished by a mind ghost one out of four stars (laughs) Uh, Cisco. Cisco. He. So Ryan doesn't hasn't seen DS9, but the captain Cisco he talks so weird. It's so hard <laughs> to describe. It's not a real accent. He's just like, well, it's uh, emphasis. And he always like, Whoa. and you're like, why are you talking like that? Because he's from Earth in the show, and she's like, I don't, I don't get it. Um. Anyways, there's a there's a guy who has a wife, and his wife makes a projection of a version of herself, and uh, Cisco falls in love with it, but then it's not real. So, like art, not a good episode. Just like <laughs> art, not real. Uh, Two ten, uh, Bajor is xenophobic to the Beavis planet. Three out of four stars, Jared. So, an alien race that all looks like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. They all have the hair, even. So, I'm noticing a night. Yeah, real tall. Uh, I'm the noticing Scria? this doesn't have a, the Scria, exactly. Doesn't have a good rating, but it was a good episode because Bajor is always talking about how they are oppressed by the Cardassians. There's some real life politics in the show, uh, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, uh, like <laughs> serious shit. 
Uh, and then when a uh, refugee planet comes to try to settle on Bajor, they turn him away. And then uh, at the end, it says, maybe you were the real monsters. So they all pretty kind of serious all, stuff. They, they kind of Deep. look like Eric Stoll's. Uh, oh, in uh, the aliens, yeah. yeah, they 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 just have huge hair, and they have like they they look like they have like rank wicked acne like all <laughs> over their face. So they're yeah. they're pretty rough looking. Um, yeah, very active pores. <laughs> very, very. Uh, Two point uh, eleven. Gambler returns. Two out of four stars. Mm. Uh, so we have a, ri- a guy make a rival bar ac- across from Quarks. It's fine. Yeah. Nothing nothing crazy. Uh, 2.12. Teenage Odo acts out and gets gaslit by his dad. Three out of four stars. <laughs> well, I, I see your... <laughs> it sounds like you're at Odo's men. Uh, I'm... Odo is growing on me. So this episode... Like, so in the one episode, you learned that he was like this... Uh, like, you learn more about how he's... So this character, Ryan, he's just a goo. And then he takes the shape of a person, but then most of the time he hangs out in a bucket, right, Jared? Right. He's got to hang out in a bucket to rest. Um, this awesome. one, like, uh, you get introduced to the um, uh, the the scientist who discovered him, uh, and the scientist is like, he's trying to gaslight him to come back. He's like, "You'll never make it out here. You're never gonna be like accepted." And then he like Odo freaks out because he's just a kid, really. Even though he's like a fifty year old French man, he's he's just a kid because he's only been alive for a little time. And uh, he acts out because he's like, "I don't want to go back to the lab, Dad. I don't want to be tested." It was a good episode. I think we can all learn something from it. Uh, last one for you guys, two thirteen. Is that Leslie Nielsen slash Bashir tries to explain why being an incel is good? Two out of four stars. And I'm not even kidding. Uh, So Bashir and O'Brien, Bashir's the doctor and O'Brien is like, I don't know. He's like the mechanic on the ship, the engineer. Uh, They get stuck in like a different place. And O'Brien's talking about that. He's just like, he's like, oh man, my wife and kid, they, uh, they're not never going to know what happened to me. And Bashir's like, this is why you shouldn't get married. This is why you shouldn't have kids. This is why you shouldn't be in relationships. And I was like, oh my god, Bashir is actually an incel. But but he's not <laughs> involuntary though. That's a very well, important I, part of that. He's, he's he made is. a choice. He's he's willing he's to do old. that. He's always trying to get Dax, and she shuts him down. And in that episode, yeah. he even says to the camera, he says, "I'll wear her down one day." <laughs> <laughs> So uh, they try to make that guy really like uh, compassionate and humane, but he's also kind of gross. <laughs> so, anyways, that's DS Nine. That's some Star Trek. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What you're you you're, you're, you're halfway here? through it. Season two. DS Nine. Season two. Oh, season two. You're on yeah. episode thirteen. Thirteen to go. I know, but in one week, man, Creeptober starts, and uh, DS Nine is going to grind to a halt. Well, you, you better finish season two. I'll try. Are they 26 episodes a season? Yup. And and this is like 1990s run times, which are closer to 46 minutes a piece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're like 45, 30 or so. But DS9 has like a two minute intro. Yeah. Yeah. With with that, with that, uh, pump, pump, uh, preposterous music. It's very, uh, lots of pomp and circumstance to it. Yeah. It's got, you're watching so, it on Crave, so you got to fast forward through it every time. Uh, you can, but I, 
I have noticed, uh, I actually made the best decision watching it on Crave because Netflix is really fucking around over at our house because anytime Andrea watches a TV show and stops, the next day, it jumps two, three episodes ahead of where she was. So she always has to go back and find the episode she was on. And it's huh. it's been consistent for months. And it's been on different TV shows and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I was like, man, I made the right call watching on Crave because it, it stays right where it's supposed to. Anyways. <laughs> Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> so what, what do you want to do, Jer? Why, well, do, why don't you guide us a little bit? T- tell me about your experience with Brandon Cronenberg. All right. Son of all David. Right. So I can I can talk about this and then uh, I believe friend of the show Ryan Nagel also watched Antiviral, so uh, I ripped into Antiviral this week, and I've never seen it, uh, but I just I knew that it had like a kind of a warm reception. People are like, it's okay, it's kind of like Cronenberg a lot. It's all right. He's his son, and I was like, all right. I was like, that doesn't sound like a bad thing to me, you know? Okay. Doesn't sound bad to me. Uh, so do you? Antiviral, it's a little future world. Everyone's hyper uh, obsessed with celebrities. And in this world, you can they sell celebrities' illnesses. You can get skin grafts put on yourself of celebrities' DNA, their tissue. Uh, they sell like this uh, lab-grown uh, meat of the celebrity. So you can buy a steak. You can get a Matthew Broderick and meatballs, mm-hmm. like a spaghetti and Matthew Broderick balls, Jared. You can just eat it at home. Uh, and so everyone's kind of super obsessed with it, and uh, it, it would you believe it goes down a dark path? I sure. I, I would believe it. Uh, so I don't know how much else to explain about it, but I gotta say, I liked Antiviral, and I'm not really I don't really understand what the warm reception to it was because I thought it was pretty good. And um, so the like I said earlier, those people who saying it's like oh it's a little too much like David Cronenberg, and I was like. If anyone's gonna be like him, maybe it should be his son. I don't know. I I kind of I really liked it. Do you have a, anything you want to add to that, Ryan? Like your your read on antiviral? Yeah. Um, just even before before I jump into it a little bit, but I was gonna mention probably not that anyone would have cared, but mm-hmm. earlier this week I logged Rabid on Letterbox, and then I was like, you know what? Just to add to the depth of illusion for the podcast, I'm not going to log anything else I'm watching because I felt like if I watched like all these movies, it would have tipped my the half of, of showing I may have been the guest. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't log any of the other stuff I watched. I'll have to go back and do it. But yeah, I watched I watched Anthony Viral, and I think I, I share the, your opinion on it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I didn't know anything about it. And actually, I think... Who brought it up was it last week it got brought up like what you thought of it or if you were gonna watch uh, it but it got brought up uh i don't know some in the last couple of weeks someone brought it up and i think someone even said they're like i wasn't too big on it. i think even jared was maybe like just so so on anti yeah. but uh... yeah so i watched it once and it was 2013 so seven years ago and yeah. i'm pretty foggy on it now <laughs> it, it, it just seemed like i mean it's very minimal movie like there's not oh, yeah. like it's very stripped down. Uh, it's like working with like a low budget, but works around it fairly well. Um, it's like an accomplished movie, but like mm-hmm. it, again, there was nothing that was like wow, a, a new voice has arrived. It just was kind of yeah. like it's good. Yeah, it's just like it's good. Yeah. But I mean, it, it wasn't like 
uh, sometimes you go into these things and you're hoping for like, uh, I guess something more exciting, I guess. And it was kind of like, Oh, it does exactly what you expected to do. It kind of goes down. It feels very familiar. Like even it has sort of like this, like kind of dead ringers, like arc and, mm-hmm. uh, to it. And it, it feels like so derivative of his dad's own movies. Yeah. 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 But I mean, that's fine. That's fine too. Yeah. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a bad movie. That's for, I, I don't think. Yeah. 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 I agree. I was like, I probably would have put it between like three and three and a half stars. But like, like you said, there was moments of it. I was like, this is like, yeah, very similar to a few Cronenberg, his David Cronenberg movies that I could think of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I like that stuff. So it was fine. But, right. uh, mm-hmm. there was, yeah, yeah the, the, uh, <clears throat> There was I wrote notes on some of them on the things, but like right, right off the top, I gotta mention that there's that one line. I don't maybe I shouldn't spoil if you got your the screen crab of it, but I just it like is. how how like masochistic all the people are and like the attitude of people is like so it's so messed up. But like the one lady, like you don't even really know what the premise of the movie is like yet. And then that one lady in the in the waiting room of the clinic is talking about um the guy before he would have inner sex with people, he would pack his foreskin with spices. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I, like, I had no idea what, I really knew nothing about the movie. I was like, oh wow. But, uh, that's some yeah, creep, creep talk. It was, uh, it was good. Like the, the lead, what's his name again? Um, uh, Caleb, Caleb Landry Jones. Jones. He was really good in it. First class. And he, yeah. And he has the like, <laughs> always x-men first class <laughs> i i like that guy though like i i think he's got such a strange like he stands out and i think that's a it's a good thing is that what you were gonna max this... max mansfield needs to make the ante of his list with the the other movies that you love that needlessly get brought up and that would be a good one for that yeah that's 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 gonna take some work though i mean yeah, I'll, I'll be other, i mean sister act two yeah that that's number, there's number one <laughs> and then yeah. and then everything else well yeah actually i killed Landry jones i totally forgot he's in get out he's the brother yeah yeah i looked it up too and i was surprised like um i don't know movies movies he's also good in but i just didn't immediately click that that was him and all these other roles but he kind of has to in my opinion in that in antivirally kind of has to carry the movie it's a lot of it is just oh, yeah. following him around and he oh, was yeah. really good i thought so oh shit uh, yeah no he's actually been like i've seen I've seen one third of his film output, but wow. I think the one that jumps out to me for whatever reason is uh, Twin Peaks. For whatever reason, him being in that, like, because he's like he's a he's a good um, Leo Johnson, uh, like, yeah. fill in. I guess like, he serves the same purpose and is more scummy in that late two thousand tens way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that dude's wicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I liked it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching if it's a, somehow available. I'd watch that uh, Possessor in October yeah. for October. So, yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, I don't know when that's actually coming though. It's but that's like all movies though. Like no, yeah, no, right. no, one, no one actually knows when anything's coming out. And then one day it's like, oh hey, that's on streaming now, or oh we are going to put like I just saw that like Miranda July like this one movie. It's like. Of all of these people, you're like, I wouldn't expect that her movie would be released theatrically, but it's going to be in like some theaters, like on Friday yeah. or something like that. I'm like, huh? I didn't think that that would be a priority for like anybody, but it's kind of like, where's Wes Anderson's movie that was supposed to come out during the summer? Who knows? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it, says, it says October second, but you're right. Mm-hmm. No, who knows? Who yep. knows? 
yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought Jarrett would like the uh, like the flesh uh, branches that they were growing like oh, all yeah. the tissue of in yeah, like, the, the, the deli, the vats. Yes, yeah, that, that's yeah, the cell that... his cell farm. That's what he calls. It. I, yeah. It's funny. I made a note of that because I was like, he just kind of when when they're talking about the celebrity steaks and stuff, you're like, oh my god, this is like something else. But then he well, you weren't points hungry? at that, and I was like, oh, I like that. That's kind of cool. And then that, yeah. I mean, spoilers, I guess. If, Maybe people skip a second, but that ends up becoming a pretty, like the uh, thing at the very end of the movie, like a, an important piece. But I was like, oh, anyway. Yeah, very cool. What else did you watch, RJ? Nothing. Oh. Oh, I watched a Brandon Cronenberg shirt uh, short, but uh, there's not really much to talk about. Oh, right then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the rest is all for video drone, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. What you been creeping on, other than antiviral? <laughs> so, as I mentioned before, actually, before I get to that, maybe I'll get some of the shittier stuff away. I, As I mentioned before, it was my wedding anniversary, and I let Brittany choose a romantic comedy movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, and she... She was like, there's this guy, you know, she, she knows I like movies. And so she, she has some podcasts of her own that she listens to, not movie ones. Mm-hmm. But there's this guy on it. And he was, she, he's like, oh, she, she's like, oh, he seems like he actually knows about movies. You know, he really liked this one and that one. I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, yeah, he said this rom-com was pretty good. And I didn't, you know, I just let her have it. I looked it up quick on Letterboxd just to see. It had like a 2.1 average rating. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll see. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was really bad. We didn't, we didn't even finish it. We watched about half of it. It was called... Uh, Wedding Love Repeat. Oh. And <laughs> that sounds me. good. That's it so was, generic. You know, it, yeah. It was uh it was um it had a lot of um Nodding Hill Craig. vibes to, to it. Oh boy. Mm. It's got the and, red uh, red font on the poster. Oh, it's the director's uh directorial debut. Well, there you go. It has Olivia Munn in it, so that's got that going for it. Okay. But anyway, it was not very good. Would not recommend. I don't know if we'll ever finish it. Only watched half well, of it. It was like very try hard. Came off like that kind of humor, and most of it, as I could tell, takes place at a wedding. So not good. But uh, sounds wicked, man. <laughs> and then uh, um, the one thing I was gonna just quickly mention again for this star-studded all-Canadian content podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. This summer again, like while we were, I was kind of watching Sopranos while on my own. I did watch uh, Shit's Creek with Britt, and oh, yeah. we and we know we were kind of invested. Brittany more so. I could I share. I think your guys send him in on awards shows and stuff like that. I could really care less. But yeah. mm-hmm. since Shit's Creek was slated to do so well, we threw it on, and uh, yeah, it was it was cool to see them kind of clean up in all of the comedy categories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that show is really good. Like it is I, good. I, I watched the first season of it. It's it's like one of those shows. I mean, a lot of shows like take you know their time to kind of find their way and get momentum. But like, you know, it kind of settles into what it is really quick, and it feels like it's like what more could it really be? Like every episode is just another mm-hmm. themed bit on like oh fish out of water story, you know, like rich people in like a small town. But they do a good job of like every like little thing that happens like sticks in the story. Like it's the continuity of it, and then that small things lead into big things, and it ends up yeah actually being pretty solid in the last several seasons for sure but mm-hmm. it was cool to see that so i watched some of the emmys um did you guys watch the emmys <laughs> i no? i don't have cable 
Uh, so uh, I did not yeah. watch, but uh, I did. I have seen that show. Uh, Andrea watches it. it. It is very good. And yeah, it is nice to see a all Canadian show clear out at an awards uh, ceremony because it's like, yeah, maybe people should pay more attention to Canadians. There was a lot of stuff like they, they obviously had to talk about it because, you know, yeah. it was it was winning everything. But like, yeah, a lot of a lot of bits or things about Canada and stuff like that. The the award show itself was like so bad, like mm-hmm. making a lot of like jokes or light of COVID and the things going on because they had it in like a studio, like on the stage, like no one was in the audience. But like so many like bits and stuff that were just like, I think, in not in great taste. Like it was mm-hmm. it was tough not very good we dvr'd it and fast forward to the worst <laughs> frig but uh yeah so real stuff though i did watch rabbit which i wanted to watch a bunch of like or as many or you know some cronenberg movies that i hadn't seen which is not a lot now um a lot of them aren't like almost all the outstanding ones i haven't seen like aren't easily viewed on like uh streaming services so had a tough time mm-hmm. even just finding one that i could watch easily uh you know but and even some including video dramas on youtube so i even tried that like looking to see and, and there was nothing but the rabbit was out there i watched that on prime i think it was also on some other stuff but uh rabbit is all right it's <laughs> <laughs> i it's got it's like, like a penis in the armpit that's kind of cool right yeah yeah and i mean it's like <laughs> I, I it has a lot of similarities like with some of his other movies too like obviously i guess but like cronenberg loves movies with like a like a a, a clinical or like a psychiatric thing like in the middle mm-hmm. of a forest and like because mm-hmm. uh brood is like that and um i think there's aspects of that in scanners and Slit, uh, shivers to another extent kind of like with an apartment building but like mm-hmm. it was like that and I mean I've watched all of those movies I just said and I thought I think it's his it is his earliest or shivers came first shivers I mean, is first yeah okay so yeah I think I I think I did note that I was like you know it looks pretty good already like you know the cinematography and stuff i thought it was like you know a well enough shot movie especially for like a kind of a low budget movie like that but uh i think like the story of shivers even though there's not a lot there it's a little bit more together like rabbit is kind of all over the place like there's a motorcycle accident outside of this plastic surgery place and they bring her in and then they skin graft from her thigh but like that <laughs> makes her have like this armpit like uh <laughs> parasite in her and then that turns people into zombies like it's kind of really all over the place so mm-hmm. you know it has some cool it had some cool stuff i don't know if anybody like cares to if anybody's not wanting stuff and in, in rabbit to be spoiled but i had oh, I notes know. on you go right on ahead it's like i i think old. so okay. <laughs> i thought so too if you care about any of it you can skip like 30 yeah. seconds but the the there was some like pretty there were some stunts like the bike the bike crack wreck at the start and then there's like another scene where a car launches off like a an overpass like that kind of stuff you could tell wasn't in shivers so they expanded a little bit on things like that and there's a couple really funny ones the where two, a couple of the infected guys at that construction site jackhammer through that car door and the jackhammer like punctures the driver in the car <laughs> that was a good kill i was like okay some of this is worth it for a few of these kills and there's a hilarious scene in the mall where they're like kind of under lockdown a lot of like 
uh, coronavirus kind of or COVID like parallels too with like mm. government sanctioned lockdowns and like stuff like that. And uh, anyways, there's a scene in the mall where like a guy, an infected guy's in the mall, and a policeman with a Tommy gun guns him down, and he ends up shooting the mall Santa in the crossfire. That part was pretty funny too, yeah. but. Yeah, that's some, yeah, that, it that was, nice you know, uh, 70s exploitation stuff, which is, yeah. like, that's, like, what it's really got going for it is its tone, but, like, the actual story and, like, oh, it's, it's like, eh, yeah. Yeah, it's all over the place. But, I, yeah, I, li- I like those schlocky stuff, like you said, so half of it for me was fine, and half of it was completely skippable, so a mixed bag, but set the tone, set a bit of a mood for, for Cronenberg Week. Yeah, I think that's why I've never uh, gotten RJ to watch this movie as I just noticed that he's never seen it. I, I was going to watch it this week, but uh, I decided to put my time into uh, the supplements instead. You're so, keep, and, and DS9. And DS9, yeah. And then, like, Ryan did watch it, and I, we we talked about it a little bit, uh, and, like, he was kind of like, eh, it's all right. So I was like, okay, I'm not really missing anything. Maybe yeah. I'll get to it eventually. I'm, yeah. I'm in no rush to watch Rabid. I would have rather watched like if they had it. I haven't seen uh, Existence. I would have watched that. Yeah. Or um, I, I actually haven't seen Naked Lunch either, and you can't stream that anywhere. Uh, Crash. I probably would have watched as well before it. And then there's like Map to the Stars and Dangerous Method, Cosmopolis. I don't know. Those I I would watch, but it, I don't even think that those were available. Maybe Cosmopolis is on. Cosmopolis is on CBC Gem. Gem, yeah. Yeah, what so you can watch it. <laughs> yeah do yeah you know, you, you know about this chair you hearing this you seen this i didn't jay <laughs> uh so if you on fire stick you can get cbc gem uh and uh it's free and there's lots of like tv you can you can do a paid one too but there's a free one and they have just movies and tv shows on there like canadian content yeah yeah it's it's I see it come up on like just watch or through letterbox on where things are and it's totally free the actually not to get back and to make this longer than it needs to be but the the I think in America like for Schitt's Creek they only had the the I can't remember if it's six or seven seasons show the last season was not on Netflix there and it also wasn't in Canada but it's on CBC gem because it's a CBC show so we actually watched the last seasons of Schitt's Creek Schitt's Creek on gem Mm mm-hmm and I've watched some other stuff there. There was that um, one documentary of what the kids that were skateboarding shit. I can't remember what it was called last year. It was really good. That was the only place it was streaming was on Gem. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's a there's a few gems. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get it, guys. Uh, I get it. <laughs> you watch but anything else? That, that movie I was thinking was called Minding the Gap. By the way. Oh. Um, other than that, though, no. That's okay. all I watched. Nice. Well, I've finally broken my streak of not watching anything. I know, and what a week to well, break What a week, streak, what eh? a week to fill time, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, what do you got, big dog? Well, as RJ mentioned, I, I threw a poll up on Twitter about mm-hmm. movies I should watch, the movies I was going to watch no matter what, to see what happens. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. Social Dilemma. It was just there. I had a lunch in my office, and I could just, like, watch this thing with relative mm-hmm. ease. And boy, oh, boy, as time goes on, I fucking hate this documentary. It is <laughs> so bad. 
it's nice. so it's like because it's not even like it's not the content because it's like oh here's like something that people should know about this is great this is a curious thing I, I think about this stuff a lot about like social media how we've got to where we are in the world and you figure oh this this social dilemma documentary that's been making the rounds for the last couple of weeks there's these memes going around for it it's on instagram a lot of promotion you're like oh this sounds great i should i should check it out and uh so it starts off and uh friend of the show ryan Nagel, you've seen this as well i noted i did watch it yeah, yeah. i watched it with my wife and yeah. same it kind of got in the hype a bit like a lot of people were talking about it i feel like mm-hmm. i even had someone text me like oh you should watch this so yeah I, yeah I which which is interesting um but man, so it opens up, and like I mentioned this in my letterbox review, uh, how it's, it has this thing where like the, the one of the subjects, the talking heads, they sit down, but it, instead of like, oh, that's not interesting, we would just start a documentary maybe up with some like news footage, you know, build up that urgency of the, the state of things, and then you just like leap, you go straight into like t- people talking, and then you have a name come up underneath them, tell you, tell me who they are, but. There's this new thing in Netflix documentaries and like I think modern documentaries where they think it's like really charming to start things off with like a person sitting down in the interview chair and putting on a microphone, getting their makeup done. And they include that in the documentary. And you're just like, why is this here? This seems really like unprofessional. I feel like are they padding time? Are they just like trying to make round this out and like make it feel like they're your friend. They're just like you. They're just, they're, they're not one special. I'm just like, I don't fucking care. I know that. I I don't understand why this needs to be expressed, <laughs> but like, it's a cliche now. And I, yeah, now that I, right. now that I mentioned this, it's like, I'm pretty sure when you watch a documentary, you're going to see this more and more and be like, why is this here? Cause like, I've seen it multiple times and every time I'm just like, Oh, but the, the the worst thing about this documentary so the whole documentary what it is the social dilemma what's the synopsis here from Letterboxd oh a tagline too the technology that connects us also controls us this documentary drama hybrid explores the dangerous human impact of social networking with tech experts sounding the alarm on their own creations so all these people that show up there's like kind of like the one guy they kind of position as sort of like the the hero and they never actually explain why he's the hero or what this guy uh, tristan harris so he's uh he's a former like i guess he was like the google design uh ethicist um who was like behind the idea of like hey we should design this technology in an ethical way but and over time as he worked at google for like you know probably a 10-year window he saw that his job became un unessential and he would call these things out and then people would go yeah we should do something about that and they would just wind up not doing anything about it and everybody would just go back to like back to work and the problems would just kind of continue to like grow and like he leaves now i'm reading this off his biography of on letterbox because they don't really explicitly go out of their way to explain what this center for human humane technology is but he becomes the co-founder of it he does ted talks and presentations with like you know fancy graphics behind him on a powerpoint and he clicks through it and he talks very dramatically and talks emphatically with his hands and you're supposed to go wow this guy's really smart but like it's always about like the problem with this whole mode of um communication is that it reduces all your talking points to like sound bites and i'm like well this isn't like helpful like this is part of the problem is everything has to be reduced to sound bites because that's how we now digest information is like in uh, packets i guess 
so this whole documentary is littered with experts um, who are like just like saying the same shit that you could hear a thousand different places but it's all kind of put into one place and you're like okay cool so this is like supposed to have like a call to action apparently because it feels very much like a position paper uh that you would write in high school but it's a documentary version of it and you're like okay where does this all go there's like again it's punctuated with this footage of like news clips of like what's going on in the world and it's like oh shit this is serious you guys and then it gets to the end of it and you're just like oh they're basically saying the government has to like regulate it and you're like well that's really disappointing because like what what government's going to do that and like which government is in office right now to do anything about it you're like oh so this is like some dark stuff but on the flip side of this annoying documentary and just like unforgivable and it's aged so badly is it has uh what i call cinematics it has these dramatizations uh rj oh man where oh, reenactments? Uh, not even reenactments it's like a fictional version of of, of a modern I family know. And, uh, like, it's like, you know, there's, like, a young son who's, like, I don't know, he's, like, a teen high school kid. And, like, I, I get the sense that this family is supposed to be, like, this, like, maybe, like, two divorced families that have come together. And, like, they're, like, oh, we're just so contemporary. And there's, like, these, these – <laughs> but it's, like, these jokes. And, like, the whole thing is, like, the this, this half of the documentary is, like – depicting everything is like this is urgent and serious but the other half there's like jokes now but like dad jokes and like oh every, everybody's uh on their cell phones at dinner mom has this crazy idea that everyone's gonna put their phones into this like ceiling box and no one can access it for an hour and everyone has to talk at a dinner table and it's really awkward because we don't know how to talk to one another <laughs> and then they have things where it's like young girl smashes open this jar to get her phone and dad's like oh yeah i'll uh i'll uh, oh yeah it's like fucking sitcom shit and you're just like it's so fucking annoying and then there's like scenes this maudlin crap of like daughter who's like taking pictures of herself posting on instagram doing the duck face thing then all her friends comment oh you're so cute you're amazing and then someone says you've got dumbo ears haha and then that's the one that gets to her and then the music all turns it's like you know girls commit suicide more than they ever have before and then there's footage of her in a bathroom with like her hair down around her ears looking longingly in the mirror because of self-esteem and it's like man they're really uh driving this home because we're supposed to relate to it because it's like a tv show it's oh and then but my favorite rj uh Uh the 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 son he actually no i haven't even got to the the absolute worst part um so there's like this other element to it where there's these there's this actor who plays like almost like something out of your favorite movie rj the one really shitty pixar movie the one of the like the people inside the heads their colors oh inside out inside out so they do live a live action inside out type of thing but instead instead of it being your head it's kind of like the internet people it's the Uh. it's the algorithms and there's like it's a guy who's got three different styles of hair and three different shirts with like a sport jacket over top and he's like how do we get johnny to log on more send him a notification and they do that over and over and over again and you're just like what is this and like it's played for laughs and you're like this is supposed to be serious. Like, what is this? These interjections they keep going back to. It's oh, it feels like an advertisement for like Telus or something like that from like 2002. But like, here we are. 
And this is like, I don't know what they were thinking, why they put this in, other than, again, to fill this 90-minute documentary with, like, another half that are like, oh, if people don't want to listen to these, like, experts in fields and, like, people who've worked for these companies who talk about how they're uncomfortable with this stuff, maybe they'll be sold with this, like, dramatization of the modern family. Um, so eventually the the, uh, the three the three heads, they, they send a notification to the one kid that his uh, girlfriend has a new boyfriend. <laughs> Because that's a real notification that exists. And then he, so he then turns, he radicalizes into an alt-right guy who listens to uh, YouTube things. Like immediately. And suddenly he gets all like withdrawn and like dark and sad. And I'm like, uh-oh, RJ would describe this guy as an incel, I think. And, and, he, and, he, and he, go, he, he goes to an alt-right protest. And of course, there's a whole thing with his sister. Maybe it's his half-sister. I don't know. And she's like, what's going on? You got to come. And then she goes to the protest and then eventually they both get arrested at the end. And then they're like sitting on the ground with their handcuffs on. And they're like looking longingly like, how did it come to this? Like, this is so bad. It's so bad. I'm so glad that you uh, broke your streak of not watching movies for this. To watch this. Am I being unfair to this? Like, is this like this is accurate, right? This is uh, what this documentary is. Yeah, that stuff was so bad, and like it completely it, like loses the tone so much in having it as a part of it. Like, I don't know if they were just like, we need this to be as wide reaching as possible because we have an important message, and some of the, some people won't understand that, so we got to add these dramatizations in for you know half the audience to relate to or understand, which. I don't know. I thought that was so bad. It like took me completely out of it. And I agree in hindsight, like even like after watching it and like rating it, it I feel like I almost thought of it more as like it, it did. It had some things that it's like, this is worth as like a kickoff point to just think about stuff. And I was like, for that, I just gave it some merit. But like, as far as like an actual documentary goes and like rating it on that, it was very bad. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, sounds great, RJ. I know you, you're a uh-huh. big documentary person, so I mean, Hell yeah. you should definitely spend your valuable time watching this one. But like, there's like this yeah. other thing, too, where it's like, yeah, so this is being like, you know, distributed at least by Netflix, which, of course, like, oh, but they're good guys, right? They're not like these other companies that are harvesting our yeah. data and viewing patterns, right? Like, of <laughs> yeah. course not. Don't think about that. Or like the fact that, you know, we all immediately go and put log this on Letterboxd, who are definitely not just harvesting our information and like selling it off and like looking at us as just nodes but we don't want to talk about that <laughs> it's like oh my yeah. god it's just it's still, i mean i'm I'm still depressed um and i just, and i'm more depressed that this documentary didn't do a better job of uh communicating what is like a really important thing i think like there, there was something in this past week about uh was it like the new ios update 14 or something like that where it actually tells you what is being captured by various apps and like people are like upset about it, and like these companies are like, why, why are you telling people this? And you're, like, <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah, that's where that starts. People get inconvenienced, and they're like, well, I don't, I mean, I can't believe that this has been happening all this time. You're just like, yep. So I don't know. I don't even really begin to uh, change anything based on, uh, you know, yeah, fact, yeah, yeah. The outlook of it at the end is like pretty bleak. They're like. You know, I guess like it is interesting that they get some of these like experts, the air quotes or, you know, it's hard to say like how much weight they had and and all that. But, you know, they're like, so like, are we totally screwed? And they ask him like what the outlook is. And it's like, well, no, I think like we'll figure it out. And like, we're you know, awareness (laughs) and stuff like this is good. And then again, yeah, it's like 
what's like the probably the solution is like to hand it over to like more government it's like don't really trust that to be like no i don't really know if involving them is really gonna fix things but i don't know yeah i i agree it was just like the most interesting parts the part that i liked about it or thought about it was like um some of like particularly like the political polarization because like even right now people talk about that so much and it's like yep. that's not i guess to to maybe some people it was totally new news to me i was like okay i could i kind of would have thought that before it just does a it just did a decent job of like you know kind of putting it into like a little bit more of a condensed thought or like how right. you know so i was like that's that's interesting like you know it's showing how these it gives you the backstory of like how like platforms like facebook or whatever like you know you know need your engagement and the time and it's like the the slope the slope is slippery to keep like looking at stuff like that like the analogy where they're like oh if you like a flat earth thing you're way more likely to get pushed like radical like political like polarizational thing so it's like Mm -hmm. okay i can totally see how that's just you know feeding into like stuff that's going on right now but again Nothing like earth-shatteringly new is just right. at least it's something to think about, I guess. Yeah, and then the one thing too, like it, it does the one thing where you're like, oh, they are doing it, but, and they say they a lot, and you're like, who, 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 yeah. who is doing? And then like then once in a while they'll throw enough like footage of like Putin going up some stairs, and you're just yeah. like the the Russians. <laughs> it's like that's who's yeah. doing it, and uh, you're like, okay, but like that's not just it. Like it's other entities, but like they're just like they them and money mm-hmm. and advertisers. And you're like, well, who like do we know it or is this just like talking in these like very like these vagities because we don't actually understand what yeah what we're talking about i think one really good point uh was made by the virtual reality creator the the man in the gigantic t-shirt and the dreadlocks yeah uh, yeah he's one of the best ones actually yeah I've he's seen... probably the he's probably the only guy who's like doesn't mention the government at all i don't right. think he has any faith in the government to swoop in and fix this yeah well he makes a comment too like how like wikipedia works because like well the problem with wikipedia would be if it starts showing you what you want to see and like because like if you go to like facebook or twitter like it's going to there's going to be like a crafted like uh narrative that's aimed at your algorithm where wikipedia everyone who logs onto wikipedia is going to see the exact same thing so that's kind of like one of the things about encyclopedia is like information needs to be like equal but like not yeah. treated not treated information should be treated equally but it need because it does need to be curated um and like, there should be some sort of quality control but these algorithms are like well it's not about that it's about getting hits and driving revenue and it's like well we're, we can feed into things because people like really stupid things and they, they like to buy into it and it creates traffic it's why like cbc still hasn't turned off uh their comment section after all these years and like Man, that, that's just like a drop in the bucket for uh, the conversation of like just the the, the continued uh, toxicity of like online environments. It's just like, you know, it's so weird because like on some stories, they'll disable a comment on their web page, but then they'll post that story on Facebook, but their comments aren't disabled because they yeah. they, they, they actually mm-hmm. do want that alleged uh, discussion. <laughs> And now yeah. people and people have figured out ways to be very creative in like saying what they want to say that's hateful or hurtful, but they don't say the explicit thing, so they don't get banned for it. And then like people like who look at the, the you know the person on the other side who gets these complaints, they go, "Well, I don't see anything wrong with that." And then uh, that those thoughts just continue getting drug out and further and further. And people go, "Yeah, that's a really good point." Oh <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> man, yeah. Do you, do you think there's anything that uh, is written from Facebook's point of view, Jarrett? 
Well, Anything from, so, the, from so, the vampire's perspective? That's a pretty good point, RJ. <laughs> I, I want to see Mark Zuckerberg's like coverage. Uh-huh. No. Well, it sounds fun. I'm glad you guys had, <laughs> uh, had a great time. So much fun. Yeah. Speaking of Netflix, I also oh watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, do you do you mean the movie or do you mean in general right now? <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little column B. Uh, no, right, I, I, right, I, I, watched, right. I watched that Charles Kaufman film. You know about that Charles Kaufman, guys? I've heard of him. I, I'm seeing him. And what about you, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel? Yeah, I think when you logged it, I was looking at it, but I don't really know anything about this movie. Yeah, so, yeah, this is a movie that I caught me by surprise someone uh, a few like a month or so ago said hey there's a trailer for the new charlie coffin movie it looks awesome and i was like huh that should be out sometime in the next year i guess and then i started seeing this movie poster pop up and i'm like what the hell is this it looks like a music video and then it was like hey it's come out and it's on netflix i'm like oh well goddamn rj seen it mm-hmm and uh, I, I gave it a little watch through. You need to give it a little peek. And uh, I I know I've joined the, the club of seeing this this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So my hot take is I think Charlie Kaufman's not that good of a director. <laughs> I, I would need to rewatch Synodectiki, New York, because mm-hmm. I was always pretty lukewarm on that movie, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, I gave actually a surprisingly high three stars because, man... My thought, my memory of that movie is like not very good. I think part of that though is like the context of it coming out because it was like this crowdsourced movie that I think Dan Harmon was like a producer on it, and it was like, oh, and it's all like a, it's all done with like puppets and marionettes and stuff. This sounds really cool, and then you watch it, and it's just like, oh, it's just kind of Charlie Kaufman treading water, doing the same kind. His going back to his themes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like he is best served working with. Like a someone's like a really strong visualist, maybe like a Spike Jones or a uh, uh, Michelle Gondry, maybe. I agree. I agree. So I'm thinking of ending things. It is a movie about yeah. a. What it, what do you say it's about? Like, are you gonna watch this movie, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel? Uh, I don't. Eh, no, go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. All right. So, so you be listening to the podcast anyway. I'll talk. Yeah, I'll talk yeah. about it like you're not even here, and you're like, <laughs> and you're and you're listening to it mowing the lawn or something. So, yeah. <laughs> so this this here movie, uh, we're introduced to our Kate Winslet character, young woman sure. played by Jesse Buckley. She's dressed very mm-hmm. similarly uh, at the beginning to Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine. That kind of like bright mm-hmm. clothes, retro-ish. The whole movie is kind of set in this kind of a atemporal space. It feels like I don't know, like 1980s, 1990s Canada I guess. Yeah, kind of. Very yep. rural. Uh, this is no coincidence perhaps. It is based on a Canadian novel. It's like fairly recent. It's a debut novel by some guy named Ian Reed. Apparently, it is a thriller and a horror-ish okay. novel. Uh, this movie kind oh. of takes that and Kaufman's it, and like doesn't really have a lot of interest in that kind of angle of it because that way it would become very much kind of like Donald Kaufman's The Three, as described in adaptation, um, okay. where spoilers, it all takes place. They're all the same person if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So young woman is going to meet the parents of Jesse Plemons, Jake's mm-hmm. p- parents who are aged farmers. 
but not not everything is as it seems. Uh, the movie opens up with a 25 minute long car ride. In oh, the, movie, yeah. the movie shot in full frame, and mm-hmm. uh, they chat and mm-hmm. they discuss their things. There's a kind of a voiceover narration of her kind of reciting poetry or like just like musings. Uh, mm-hmm. They always begin with, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, we get the introduction of Jess Plemons. It seems like an awkward relationship that's only six weeks old or something like that. Mm-hmm. This but this goes on for quite a while. It really brings attention to itself. And you go, huh. And you notice things like, yeah, it's full frame. That's interesting. Then they arrive at the farmhouse. It's a snow blizzard. The snow keeps building and building. Uh, his parents are played by Tony Collette and David Thewlis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's suddenly things start kind of going off, I guess. There's like footage of, like you see like Jesse Buckley, like scene to scene, her clothes are changing. Um mm-hmm. Tony Collette and David Thewlis's characters, they're aging like out of order scene mm-hmm. to scene. Like they look older and younger as soon as they leave rooms, uh, even between like cross cuts. And they're eccentric. They seem mm-hmm. insane, like lots of mental illness uh, on display. Mm-hmm. And Jess Plemons, he's like kind of like this building anger. Uh, RJ mentioned this last week, uh, how it's like, oh, it's the poor man's Philip Seymour Hoffman. That mm-hmm. that that felt very prevalent here. Uh, I stand by it. I I yeah I I, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't change my mind at all. Um, yeah. It's again another another miss i guess it's good for jess plemons i guess that phil seymour hoffman's no more because now all these opportunities present uh themselves to him but mm-hmm. man this movie could have used uh that kind of big performance or that type of performer who could like really draw mm-hmm. you in because he just he doesn't have it he's miss he's missing it yeah uh i was kind of afraid that tony collette was going to really ruin this movie for me because i i think she's kind of turning into that tilda swinton figure like right alongside mm-hmm. of her is this like everybody's like oh they're so into them but mm-hmm. they're like they're, they're just fine and then they start turning into caricatures of themselves she's okay in this mm-hmm. um but so there's this going on and it's all like over the course of like an evening the whole movie there's a b plot that's developing though that you makes you go hmm i think there's something amiss and it involves this old janitor who also apparently lives on an old farm and he works out mm-hmm. at a school. Um, and you kind of go, what's the, what is this in aid of? And just like, you can't help but start thinking that like, huh, oh, there's something either like, this is like old Jake and now he's all alone or mm-hmm. it's all taking place in his head. And that, the, I don't know. So the whole movie, you're kind of like, you're trying to figure it out and it's, you're not even mm-hmm. like actually enjoying the movie as like what's going on. But I think it makes the movie, the movie does that fairly easily, though, because I don't know if the movie ever grabbed me at any point and made mm-hmm. me like kind of like be excited about or intrigued by their relationship. And like, I, I love cringe families, like cringe relationship stuff, like scenes from mm-hmm. a marriage, for instance, probably one of the best movies of the Criterion Collection. Um mm-hmm. The one movie Carnage, that Roman Polanski movie, I think that's fantastic. I kind of want that from I'm thinking of anything, but I don't know. There's something about this, the the writing and the characters. It's it, it never convinced me that these were like real characters, which 
kind of plays into the fact, though, that Sokovian has this dangerous thing that he's doing where essentially he's writing the characters inside of a mind of a man who's not a very good writer. Mm-hmm. But they never play that up very hard. Like, they don't, like, say, oh, this is explicitly happening. You never see this old janitor man writing his notebook and saying this is what's actually happening. It's all very loose and open mm-hmm. to interpretation, uh, which I think Kaufman wanted to leave it that way because it makes it more um, enigmatic. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, so enigmatic that I'm like, oh, I don't really care what it is, what it's about. I'm just kind of like, oh, oh, they're leaving the house now. And the whole time I kept thinking too, man, Aronofsky's mother is such a better movie than this because like, I, yeah, it's got similar vibes. It to- yeah. Right. Like there's just something about like, yeah. um, the Tony Collette character reminds me so much of the Michelle Pfeiffer character, but mm. that movie had me like, had made me like physically ill. Like it had like, a, it made me react to it strongly. And this, I was kind of like, Oh, it feels like a puzzle box that I'm not that invested in that. I'm like, at any point I could just take it and put it on the shelf aside, beside myself and be like, I'll never look at this again. But, and this movie is also two hours and 15 minutes about, so mm-hmm. that's fun. And then RJ, they leave the, they leave the farmhouse and you get another like, 25 minute long car ride mm-hmm. and that's this movie it's car that's, rides that's the, that's the car ride and then um there was some uh, i think jackson mentioned it we didn't men- answer it at the time the thing about uh the pauline kale and uh whether it wasn't so much the pauline kale bit it was more the john cassavetti's comment and whether or not i mm. like when real movies get mentioned in movies it's all about context it's all about like how well mm-hmm. it's executed it doesn't seem relevant to it a lot of the time it's not so great here it's kind of like it's only on my mind because i'm like oh shit we're watching that movie <laughs> like right away in like two weeks um within the month i think yeah. Yeah. So I was like, huh, well, that's cool. And then I remember seeing that Pauline Kale review book. And then I went, oh, yeah. So she lapses into this, like, like the Jesse Buckler character. She jumps into mm-hmm. this, like, Pauline Kale kind of thing. And I went, oh, yeah, that's definitely what's this, this. That's what's happening in this movie. And then there's, like, an ice cream shop. Yeah, they stop for blizzards. <laughs> they stop for blizzards. <laughs> they and, stop for blizzards. Yeah. And, and, and then they stop at an old school. And they run into the janitor who you're like, is this guy, is this guy a guy a creep? Is he creeping on like high school girls that, that are in musicals? Does he have an unhealthy relationship with it? They don't give you that much information. They let it, mm-hmm. they leave it to your imagination and that's supposed to be good. And then we get a, we get a dance number. We get a little dance number thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just felt uh, unneeded. Mm-hmm. And, and then the movie ends <laughs> with a, with a naked old man. Which should totally be up my alley, but at the same time I went, oh, okay. And then I do like the final shot of the movie, but mm-hmm. it also felt needlessly, like artful. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It's at the end of the day, what can I say? Not a fan, RJ. Not a fan. I think you, I, I, your, your face says it all, Jared. <laughs> and I mean, that's kind of what I thought, but. Uh, it's like I said, even last week, I had somewhat similar things, right? Where I was like, I like certain elements of this. I think the front end is definitely better than the back end. Like, I think the stuff in the house is uh, better shown. Um, but then 
like I think I mentioned last week the the qu- movie quote thing because it's like the whole movie is either movie quotes or poetry quotes and it's like that's cool and stuff but um I don't know half of those so it's like Which... I know that it's like half of the population it'll go over their head and the other half that do know it it's like I don't know do you do you like that or is it at some point does it become like pretentious Well so I mean part of that yeah because if you're Charlie Kaufman you're making a movie for like these different purposes like part of it is like he's he's amused by himself he's got mm-hmm. his he gets his Robert Zemeckis joke in there and yep. then we get the beautiful mind like full on <laughs> beautiful mind mm-hmm. thing at the end that's like I just feel like a better director would have pulled it off like someone who really mm-hmm. knew how to like tell the story visually better and like mm-hmm. I, I, that's how I felt like I'm like I think there's like a, a lot here I like. like I like the core of this and I think that's what people are responding to but there's something about the way he makes it that like it just doesn't land and it feels like yeah. really i mean that's maybe like where the the netflixiness and like the like it feels like a low budget effort and i feel like this movie could someone could have figured it out a little bit more and drawn mm-hmm. on this stuff like that and still have the coffin screenplay and done something more with it that like would give it to me like that that five starness to it but like as is i'm yeah. kind of like oh it's got like old age makeup jokes i should totally mm-hmm. be into this i love old age bad or like bad old age makeup and it's like carnival of souls-esque bad old age and like beautiful <laughs> mind that movie is like ripe to be made fun of and like bad speeches mm-hmm. and so like you have this idea of this like guy who's living his entire life like all his reference points are like things that he reads he's like not like a particularly like, clever or intelligent person he's a person that was told by his parents that he was super smart and like brilliant but he never really was and like he reads like a pauline kale book he's like well i know about movies and then so when he like you get that experience of him reading it and then trying to respond to that and it's like he sounds like the rest of us just someone fumbling through their words and uh not so eloquent or whatever even though it's like you could laugh you could could laugh at pauline kale and so like there's that scene where like the Jesse Buckley character, she like is reciting that poetry. And I kind of mm-hmm. laughed. Cause I was like, at the time you didn't realize what's going on. And you're thinking, you're like, it's not like, is this like an actor detachment thing where people think, Oh, everyone can like memorize lines and just recite Shakespeare off the top of their heads. And it's like, I can barely remember words as I speak sometimes often all the time. And so like this, it's so comical to see that in a movie depicting reality. And I think Kaufman is, aware of that like he's totally mm-hmm. aware of that but i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't work for me dude i barely know how to talk at all yeah or read so uh i i i do understand what you're saying like i i have i think i had some of the same stuff i think what you're trying to really hammer down is that if it was directed by sam neil maybe it would have been a better film absolutely right? <laughs> absolutely yeah. there's like the one image going forward is the um the dog, the, the the dog that never stops uh, drying itself off. Oh, that's yeah, that just yeah. keeps shaking. But if, if yeah, but it's, it seems like such an afterthought in the movie too, where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that seems like it should be like a big central image that people would be like talking about. But it's like kind of like oh, it just happens, which some people might prefer. But mm. I don't know. Maybe it'll turn into a GIF. Oh, I'm sure it's it already has. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's all right. <sighs> One last movie. You watched another movie? I watched it right before we recorded Whoa. because Holy s- shit. S- some people didn't want to start till late. Uh, I oh, watched. I yeah, watched. It's... I watched uh, a Sam Sam Chez pick. Not Sam Neil. Not Sam Neil. 
Oh, okay. They eat scum from 1979. <laughs> and if there were ever an RJ pick, oh boy. RJ, how do you feel about simulated dog blow jobs? <laughs> oh my God. I think you. That's it. It's done. This, this podcast has officially been canceled. Uh, not by me, but you know what? If I had the authority, I would put an end to it right now. Uh, the Gorky guys are coming. Uh, I, I hope so. Uh, the Gorky guys, are they're super into that stuff. <laughs> I, I, I hope they end it. I'm uh, done. Yeah, this is, uh, this is like a cross RJ between Pink Flamingos and Jubilee. Ugh. So this is, I can't wait till it's inducted into the Criterion Collection. Um, and then you'll have to watch it. But, well, that day will come. Uh, you guys got any news? Any any, any uh, funny headlines from the week on a piece of cardboard that someone mailed in? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, nah, man. Nothing happens anymore in the world. That's true. In the movie world, at least. No. Everything well, hey, got pushed back to the next year. B- Birds of Prey now is by default is the highest grossing superhero movie of the year. What? Because Black Widow's not coming out till next year. No, no Marvel movies this year. They canceled them. Yep. Wow. Yeah. No one saw that coming. Yeah. And no one, and 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 still, no one gives a shit. Oh yeah, I guess I did see. I saw that meme of Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. (laughs) He's like (laughs) black thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. All right then, we've got a movie to talk about. Fuck. After the break, um, we're take we're gonna we're gonna try a few things. you watch it max business reasons sure what about the other reasons max wren is a victim i woke up with a headache he has been exposed to videodrome i've been hallucinating for a while ever since what since i first saw videodrome his brain is already receiving video images I think that massive doses of videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. 
Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Videodrome from 1983, directed by David Cronenberg, and tonight we're joined by friend of the show, yes, he exists too, Ryan Nagel. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us on this momentous occasion where like it seems like people are like, oh man, it's Videodrome, I can't believe it, and like, we've talked about David Cronenberg twice before. Twice? (laughs) I think it's just the lasting power of of Videodrome, Jared, and wow. the implications that it means well, for society. I'm pretty sure that this is the first time and still the last time that cancer bullets show up in a Criterion movie. So far. So, so, so yeah, it's only downhill yeah. from here is what you're saying. Pretty much. There's, yeah. no, there's nothing left to look forward to because, yeah. you know, no, there's no, none of that. There's no, like, man, do you guys listen to the commentary track? I did. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a bit. I'm, I'm just going to get it out of the way right now, where there's like okay. David Cronenberg's t- telling this anecdote about like James Woods uh, with like the chest cavity thing in, and I guess oh, like yeah. James Woods is talking about becoming the bearer of the slit to Debbie uh-huh. Harry, oh, and God. and Debbie Harry responds, "Now you know how it's like," and he's like, "I thought that was very amusing," and I was just like, <laughs> "Jesus, <laughs> what a what a what a what a blue t- story." Mm-hmm. There, there's a few like that in that, uh, in yeah, that commentary. Yeah, there sure we, is. But it's a different era, 2004, recording the commentary. Yeah. But jumping the gun here, the tagline for this film, RJ, mm-hmm. first, it controls your mind. Then it destroys your body. Oh, baby. As the president of a trashy TV channel, Max Wren is desperate for new programming to attract viewers. When he happens upon Videodrome, a TV show d- dedicated to a gratuitous torture and punishment, uh, Max sees a potential hit and broadcasts the show on his channel, which is, like, so weird. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, people are going to love it. However, after his girlfriend... Uh, wow, I mean, that's a that's assumption. Yeah, that, it's I a mean, bit of a leap. Yeah, just a uh, special lady friend. Mm-hmm. Auditions for the show and never reached that doesn't happen either. And this is, this she is, says she yeah. says and for the show and never returns. Max investigates the truth behind Videodrome and discovers that the graphic violence may not be as fake as he thought. Uh, don't, I mean, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that uh, synopsis before and I was like, the last half of it, I was like, I, they kind of missed the mark of it, but. It's a, okay. it's a little superficial, but some people say that we're superficial, too. It's, it's enough to get people in the theater renting that tape. Yeah. And they go, oh, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. What's the, what is the mystery of this video drama? 
<laughs> Media drum. Is that the Canadian way to say it? Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a person who's never heard the word video drum spoken out loud. It could be anything. Right. I've I've heard some people mispronounce some pretty simple words, uh, even on this very podcast, but uh, oh. particularly in real life um, uh-huh. at, at the comic book store. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is oh, a movie that I th- has everyone seen this movie more than once. Yes, actually, yeah, we... the, I had only seen it once. Okay, I think before this, but this would be my second time watching. Oh wow! It. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, and RG, you've seen it a few times. I have seen it. Uh, I think this week rounds out with the commentary. I think four now. So it's probably my most watched uh, that Criterion that we've hit so far. Okay, maybe maybe ever. I don't know. I've definitely seen it more than that. I couldn't put a number mm-hmm. to it, but it's less than ten. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, in fact, I even have a poster of this in my office at work. That, 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 Is it anything like my poster? Just, just like, but mine's also surrounded by some other posters. You got, you got to fill up that roster. You got to, you got to, you have to have the entire deck of the ship behind you, RJ. Right now, what I, we're talking I, about, I fans, is uh, RJ has this lone poster mm-hmm. of Data just on the wall, right by the light switch. It's yep. it's quote unquote life sized uh, at a mirror it's... like. Two two feet tall, twenty four uh, inches tall. Yeah, barely, yeah. barely. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a, what only only non or non YouTube listeners or YouTube listeners only wouldn't be privy to that. And that's just for the guests that we have on the show. That's just for them. That's not really for me. Right. Uh, and I think we undercut a little bit. The debut, a friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, Creepsville. Uh, born and raised, and also I should mention from the sewers, fr- from the <laughs> sewers with me, him, and Mutagen Man growing up together. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an entirely Canadian podcast. I mentioned before this is the culmination of four years: three Canadian co-hosts, one Canadian movie. It's all coming together. That's it's right. magical. Absolutely. Magical. Mm-hmm. So this movie opens up. <sighs> With menacing music, some menacing mm-hmm. Howard Shore music, and then we get kicked to this Civic TV animation. Which mm-hmm. I don't know if that would pass muster nowadays. It's like this, like fat guy on a couch, yeah, in the recliner. <laughs> yeah. The jingle's pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I like it. I I, I uh, learned from the commentary, or because I've listened to this commentary actually once before when I got this DVD Ooh. ages ago. Uh, that the Civic TV is sort of the stand-in for City TV, which I still believe still exists to this day and is a much yeah. bigger deal than this Channel eighty three rinky dink operation. But because uh, mm-hmm. they actually called what was it called, RJ? Ba- Baby Blue movies. Baby Blue movies. Yeah. So like that was like the so that on in, oh what uh, when, out in, in the Tur- commentary yeah in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, on City TV, uh, they would play uh, softcore movies, and they call them mm-hmm. Baby Blue movies. So C- Civic TV is kind of modeled around that idea. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, oh, ac- interesting. Ac- yeah, it's accurate to the Toronto area, and this movie is unapologetically set in Toronto. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like you know some city in America. They 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 explicitly say this is Toronto, which is really cool. It's a it's a rare treat for. Uh, something that other people in the world watch and like, and it's actually explicitly set in Canada. Uh, often people are like, they go they upturn their nose at the smell of Canadian offerings. They're like, Oh, mm-hmm. this just seems like America light. 
that's what they say i can't remember if it was um the commentary or one of the like other videos in the supplements that i watched but uh, cronenberg's talking about he was uh speaking with uh roberto benini you know a uh, director of uh what's that movie won the oscar jared life life is beautiful <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah roberto benini and uh so it- italian boy ryan and uh, he he was talking to Cronenberg, and he was like, I don't, he was like, I don't really know if I want to come to Canada because all I see is these horrifying things in your movies or something like that. And and Cronenberg was like, he was like, I really like that because he's like he saw Canada in my version, and he's like, but he knew it was Canada and not somewhere else. That's how Cronenberg <laughs> talks. So RJ, based on the uh, films of Italy that you've seen, uh, <laughs> would, will you be jumping on a plane anytime soon? Uh, I mean, I you're mean, not you're not, you're not a woman, so you're kind of like mostly safe. I'd be mostly safe, but there there are a few. I would rather go to the flesh uh, centric Toronto than the mm-hmm. flesh centric Italy. But they're no diff- beef steak, no beef steak. There is their focus is on different parts of flesh, if you know what I mean. I hear you. I see. Yeah. What, I see what you're laying down. Vague and unprosecutable. I didn't say anything incriminating about anyone. Not I would all. love. I would love to see you go to Italy, RJ, and just refrain from speaking in an accent at like the whole time. That would oh. be worth the price of going. Got a beef steak, a tortellini. Oh boy. <laughs> we don't have any Italian listeners. It's fine. We do. we do. We do. We <laughs> do. A lot of Ita- Italian women, actually. Oh, well, I'm standing up for them. Yeah. I will be their champion, Jared. Okay. Very well. Yeah. Um, so this movie, oh, man, it brings you back to the, the 80s when movies were good, like Back yeah. to the Future, RJ. Oh, baby. <laughs> so, so, but, sure, but I, on, honestly, this movie opens up very similar to Back to the Future which this movie also predates because you, you have the, like, this is like, I don't know, this style of filmmaking where like the camera focuses on a subject, which is the television screen where we see uh, his girl Friday, uh, his secretary, who's like, I'm trying to find the name of the actress who plays her. She's a Canadian actress, which most of them are. Yes. Other than probably James Woods and Debbie Harry, I think. Yeah. They're yeah. the only two who aren't. And actually, uh, just to interject on you for a second. Yeah. Uh, one one funny thing about that with like all the Canadian actors, uh, Andy watched it with me, and she's actually seen Videodrome before too. But uh, she watched it with me, and she's like, everyone's real like frumpy and like dumpy looking in this movie. And I was like, they're real people, baby. It's like those are just <laughs> real Canadians. I was like, not everyone's like Brad Pitt, you know. And it... in moment because of that. Ah, uh, Bagul, you've come back. Ah. So uh, yeah, Bridey is uh, Julie Connor. Yep, I think she's like really good in this. I was just going to throw that out there. So oh, yeah. she she opens up uh, where she mentions the date of uh-huh. the date recording, which is Wednesday the twenty third. And RJ, what day uh-huh. is it today? Well, if you checked our Instagram, you would find out that it is Wednesday, my dude. And well, it's not just Wednesday. It is the twenty third. The twenty third, which is a astronomical alignment i i think because there there's no way we could have planned that no it's unbelievable no based on like the chances of us taking a week off or delaying things mm-hmm. it's pretty magical i mean it's, it's all so coming together guys that's right i think i think dale uh-huh. cooper would say something about two things happening at the same time it's time to pay attention something something anyway 
So back to my point about this like fine artisanal film craft where the yes. camera sets up yep. on the on the television monitor and it pulls mm-hmm. back and it's the credits and mm-hmm. you start seeing the room and it's just establishing these like nice little things about like we have a character who's been named who's important enough he lives in this weird weird world where a woman makes him recordings instead of alarm clocks to make sure he gets to work it explains who he is uh, there's even like the content of the movies laid out with the focus on the television screen the room pans out you see his room one of the main like actual settings of the movie where i'd say like at least a, probably a third of the action takes place in his apartment and it's a very important space and the camera just kind of pulls out and explores the room which is just like in back to the future where it focuses on the clock and it pulls oh, wow. along and pans through the space and there's no music playing over it either mm-hmm. so it's just like i don't know i really appreciated it it just sets up so much stuff really quickly economical dig it yeah um mm-hmm. You know what's also economical? Shady Japanese businessmen in hotel rooms in downtown Toronto <laughs> selling smut. That's uh, that's economics right there. And in fact, only one of them is actually Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so did, did you remember that little uh, that little anecdote about the guy in there who he later went on to become like, a minister for for government of Canada? Yeah. And apparently, he got what? questioned on his his appearance in this movie as a pornography dealer yeah which is wild yeah i'm not sure which if one of the guys uh, is it I, I think it's the uh, is it the actual japanese guy uh david the guy who actually opens up Talks. The, the movies oh to the guy sitting down yeah it's yeah, uh, yeah it's, guy... so it's yeah davis uh subuchi uh who is a former politician in ontario he was he was a wow. pc uh uh-huh. from 1995 to 2003 cabinet minister oh during the mike harris era he was the wow, first. Wow. Oh, he was the first Japanese Canadian elected to a provincial legislature. Do you think it was because of Videodrome? I think I'm, I think it might have pushed him over the edge. I I hope so. But another interesting little tidbit. No, and his opponents would use it against him. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's like, well, he's just in this hardcore pornography movie. No. <laughs> so, what 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 are they selling, RJ? Porno. What kind of Soft. porno? Samurai dreams. <laughs> yes. What's uh? So there's a, there's like a scene that I think would be a great um, at some point use of a screenshot RJ where it's like three men sitting around a table watching Samurai Dreams. I'm like that's that's okay. us. That's us. Like we're not in the same room together, but mm-hmm. collectively, a snapshot of what this podcast is on this recording. Hell, hell yeah! I think even a friend of the show Ryan Nagel actually watched the Samurai Dream supplement. Did oh, you know? I, I've I've seen that before. I know it's on. Yeah. I know it's on that DVD. Uh, is it elsewhere? Yeah, on my on my DVD, I have it has yeah. the Samurai Dreams raw, and it has mm-hmm. two commentary tracks over it. So for my <laughs> supplement homework, I watched both of those. I don't really want to get into that now, but yeah. I was saying I was ready well, to talk about. Is there also like nice. some uh, some raw video drone? footage on there as well i, I believe there was yeah, yeah. and yes. i think that had comment co- uh commentary as well. i didn't watch those ones i thought maybe you guys might have did you did. did you want did you watch video drone with your wife ryan i offered and she was like for a second almost having it and then i started like kind of describing it and then even i stopped myself and i was like i think you would hate it so maybe let's just not <laughs> um I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The next, so we find out from the scene that oriental sex is unnatural, but we also find out that there's too much class 
in Samurai mm-hmm. Dreams because it seems like the, 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 this imagery is like this is pretty like played out and you know Max Ren he's just like ah, I want something a little harder <laughs> and so he he visits his he visits his good friend Harland a uh, a satellite pirate who is he's found something good some somewhere from somewhere in Malaysia. Which I mean, hell, if if I was to believe that something like uh, Videodrome existed, I'd assume it was Malaysia too. Sure, why not? Um, so yeah, gotta say that like hooded dudes torturing people in a room with like a clay wall—that's <laughs> totally my aesthetic. Oh yeah, <laughs> big time. And uh, I don't know uh, if you watched um. What was it? I called it transmissions. I can't even remember which supplement it was, the transmissions one. But did you hear what the snuff film is actually kind of based on? I remember. Again, I watched that. I didn't get it around to it this time. So remind me. Uh, Apparently, a lot of the people who worked on this film, uh, and including David Cronenberg, uh, were had at one point either worked or been through Toronto's many abattoirs and slaughterhouses. So a lot of the aesthetic of uh, the torture snuff films is from actual Canada Packers packing plants because it's like the wet floor, the guys with the hoods and stuff like that. That's what they base it on because it's just like it's a slaughterhouse. And uh, they're like, I think one of them describes it. He's like, it was one of the most unpleasant jobs I've ever had. And he's like, we thought it would fit. There is that one anecdote though about like some like some extras that were like really getting into it, and there was like this yeah. one this one woman who like kept coming back and getting like doing her yeah. own makeup and being like maybe they'll do it again, and I'm like that that's I could totally see people doing into it. I mean, especially if you know like it's it's fake, but like maybe maybe, yeah. maybe they'll change their mind. It really sells the uh, the idea of Videodrome as a movie and as an idea itself. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like people are into this. Yeah. So. Well, that would be like, I mean, if you're like trying to think of like what would be like what does like snuff look like? Like what would it if it existed? Because mm-hmm. uh, fun fact, it, it doesn't exist. It's a kind of an urban myth that but even though like Charlie Sheen will say that he saw it at a party once and like call the FBI about it. True story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's like no actual like real line of connection that has ever been documented and existed and anyone's ever been prosecuted for we've gotten close guys we've gotten mm-hmm. close but haven't quite landed it there's no like c- cabal uh that's like doing this stuff sadly mm-hmm. sadly um <laughs> so anyway we get that and we get this like this mystery set up because at the end of the day this movie really is just a film noir guys right oh Hell yeah! Ooh, yeah. It, 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 it totally. It's like it's, there's a mystery. There's femme fatales. There's like mm-hmm. the good girl. Um, there's like this like kind of ridiculous plot outside of one's own control, and then it, it's just kind of like it doesn't quite play that way. And I, it really hit me watching it this time, just like how noiry it was. And I think it's the scene at the Greek restaurant that like where she's like Max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, has its own philosophy, and I'm like, man, this is like you could imagine uh, Humphrey Bogart, you know. You know, getting into some rough stuff and piercing, you know, <laughs> Catherine Hepburn's ears or something like that. You know, you think Bogey would be into that. He, he he kind of is a James Woods. He's a short, kind of unattractive looking man. He's just really charismatic. I uh, I I kind of see what you mean. Uh, I also liked uh, again. I can't remember. I can't. I watch so many of these things. I can't remember which 
which uh, one it's from. But Cronenberg is talking about the ear piercing scene. And uh, just since you brought it up and he said it was because he had to take his wife's earrings out once. Oh, yeah. And he I think he said he was like he his like legs buckled and he almost <laughs> fainted. Yeah, because he was just like he was like, what am I doing? And he's like, I think it would be a really good gateway for people who are masochists. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right, Dave, uh, whatever you say, bud. Big Dave. Big Dave. So uh, the next scene, I actually wrote notes, if you can't tell. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> no, you are a was all professional podcast. I, I, I know, right? I know. I mean, we we had a guest this week. I know. I, I I didn't I didn't know what to expect. I felt like I might have to be a little bit more heavy lifting. So, oh. you know, I don't know. I didn't know. I don't. I don't know yep. this guy. This is the first time we've ever met. Very true. And he's Very friends true. with RJ. I mean, he's not the most discerning human being. <laughs> So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff stacked against you this week, but I right. think you'd be pleased to know that I think all three of us professional Canadians did our civic duty and took notes this week, which is pretty uh, outstanding. Yeah, I so, got my notes going here. I'll jump in yeah, you, if oh, I got yeah. more Absolutely. note note mm-hmm. add addition. J- jump in anytime. So mm-hmm. uh, next we get James Woods. Max on the set of the Rena King show, and again, this is a, again another piece of like really great filmmaking where the camera's just on Max as he's like as they're kind of like doing the preamble chat thing, testing the microphones, all that, and then like the camera pans over to a monitor with, and that's when we first see the uh, Debbie Harry character, um, mm-hmm. with N- Nikki. Nikki Brand, and like, mm-hmm. I think that's like so good. Like the first time you see her, it's like this uh, moderated view of her. You don't get to see her just like with your own eyes. You see her through the television monitor, which again, very thematic with this idea that the the monitor is the eye of the viewer and all that yeah. Marshall McLuhan fun stuff. And also, we get introduced to old doctor or professor Brian Oblivion, our mm-hmm. Marshall McLu- uh, McLuhan uh, stand-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so like one thing I noted here was smoking on television. Uh, that, that, that brings me back when uh, adults just sitting around debating boringly on TV about what, what you're, what, if this, if this is morally right or not, or if you're serving just like what the audience wants. Um, and then we get, yeah, we get the, finally the, the name of this channel other than civic TV, it's channel 83. And I made the note that I want channel 83 in my life. Why, why can't we have a... I mean, I guess, like, the internet's basically just Channel 83 at this point, so yeah. it's kind of redundant. I was going to say, you could probably email uh, Oliver for some 4chan tips, because I know oh. he's pretty tapped into that scene. I yeah. think that might be similar to <laughs> what you're looking for. Hop on LiveLeak or something like that. Some <sighs> some Rotten.com. Oh, Jared. Oh, oh. <laughs> big shout-outs to those internet classics. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's like, a, there's the one bit that, uh, jumped out at me from this whole exchange where it's just kind of this interview and like the, the whole idea, this is like the, the meat cute of, uh, Max and Nikki, where he's mm-hmm. like, he talks about her red dress. It's like, he just says like how creepily he says it too. It's like talking about like being like highly stimulated. It's like, uh, uh, like your dress. <laughs> like he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, so like amused by himself, but also catches himself and being like so like proud of what he just said and yeah. uh mm-hmm. and then she's kind of like well i am and he's like oh i'd love to take you to dinner <laughs> yeah, and then it's like great the best yeah. <laughs> and asks her out on the thing while yeah. while and then the conversation they have like over top of yeah. uh professor oblivion's like mono, first monologue of the movie <laughs> that's hilarious and and soon all of us will have special names we learn from brian oblivion 
That, that seems like something like a TV guru would say, and it's and it's kind of true. Like like Twitter, uh, uh, names, like Ryan's fantastic uh, Twitter likes that pop up on my feed. <laughs> Different handles and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, he was right. That's right. We just change our identities, like we change our clothes. Yep. Barn loafs, chud loafs, whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> whatever you want to be. Uh, so then we kind of change from that scene to like it's back to Max with Harland, and he's like, "We're back to video drone." He's like, he's asking, "What's the plot?" It's like, what? Do, I don't know. So this is like a, a, I don't know if you call this a complaint. It comes up later, um, specifically when Nikki decides she wants to audition. And like mm-hmm. how everyone's a little slow on the uptake in this mm-hmm. movie. Everybody's just kind of a little dumb. Where you're kind of like, why does he assume that it's not real? Like, why does he think mm-hmm. that it's fake? Because in his mind, he's like, well, I can't imagine that anyone would do this for real. But like nothing about the aesthetics of the show seems to suggest that this is like, Re, like not real but he's yeah. just like what's what's the plot <laughs> and uh of course there's also that this is for for perverts only which i feel like is a uh, a good screen, good grab, screen grab for somebody out there mm-hmm. yeah you're uh, right though and he even mentions like later i think when he's like uh it would be cheaper and easier to like you know emulate it it's like how would that be if you just kidnap people or whatever well, i guess you torture them that well, sounds cheaper to me well that's mm-hmm. kind of well that's the thing with like yeah so there is that but that's like always been the argument about like the existence of snuff is that like well the risk is so high like why would you like risk going to jail for yeah. the rest of your life when you could just fake <laughs> someone being killed and so like, that's always been like well why would you do that unless it's like well there's other reasons like you know like a serial killer or something like that or like someone that just like that's fucked up it's like would these people also be organized enough to like distribute these films or did they just have it in their own private stash in the closet kind of thing and yeah. that's that's one of the key things about like this idea of like a snuff network but so this is like kind of playing into that fear i guess that there's like now that videotapes exist because like video technology was like relatively new and because like the, one of the things that would hold back like a and say like a, a, a enterprising uh filmmaker from murdering people for cheap is like the cost of film would be expensive then you have to like learn how to process it yourself and now you have to like Mm. now you have evidence in that regard like you have to get someone to develop it for you unless you learn how to do it yourself which is possible but video Mm -hmm. it's so easy you just go out and buy a camera and then you can be like henry portrait of a serial killer and hanging out with your friend otis having a good time so that was always the nightmare of like the the advent of the video age is that it it makes snuff that much more possible so mm-hmm. I, but there's so there's that part of it, but it's like kind of like this. I don't know. It feels like Max is a little slow on the uptake on some of these things, particularly when it's like I'm going to go audition. I'm going to go to Pittsburgh. I'm going to be murdered on TV. <laughs> like he's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I kind of got that. He's a little like nonchalant about it. Like in the not to jump ahead, but in those like scenes in the apartment and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's always just a little behind. I think it's especially naive because he's like, it can't be real. But then he actually is like piercing ears and like seeing like he's actually doing it too, kind of like the light version of it. So he, mm-hmm. it's like you're kind of involved in this. Uh, but there was one thing you said, Jared, that I was going to talk about, um, like the uh, where there was that concern about the uh, videos and stuff. I can't remember. Again, I can't remember which one it was. But uh, there was a thing about they were talking about videotaping and things like made things it like actualized stuff. It's like it made it all real. It's like yeah. because you can record it now. Mm-hmm. It is real. It's in the world. It's like even if you're doing it for real, like say you go kill someone in real life, that's really happening. But it's like 
you film it happening and then you put it out there, you distribute it. It's like, it's real for other people now. Right. So it was like that kind of idea. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's neat. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I do love how they just name Pittsburgh because it's so banal. And it, it's, per- <laughs> it's perfect, though, because it, it makes mm-hmm. it that much more fucked up because you're thinking like, oh, if this is Malaysia, well, they do that all the time. And mm-hmm. it, you're just getting a snapshot of making making yourself feel good. But like, oh, at least that doesn't happen here in, in America. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you find out it's like, oh, it's it's Pittsburgh. They have a, they have democracy and they vote. But this is happening. Mm-hmm. What? What? What's happening? Like this is disgusting. And suddenly it's like more close to home. I think that was like it's a really brilliant little touch because it's like of all places, it's like it's not like it's not even New York or Los Angeles. It's it's Pittsburgh. What's the Canadian equivalent? Like Moose Jaw, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah Winnipeg. Yeah. That's a good poll. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how about uh, D- Debbie Harry's '80s workout outfit doing that radio show? Yeah, you know that was pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Well, you get you get sweaty when you're helping people emotionally, Jerry. <laughs> That's right. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that up to this point, I found Debbie Harry's acting not the best. She she gets into it. She gets her footing. Like when she was like on the on the radio show, I found that it was like mm-hmm. a little wooden. But uh, she, she she gets better as the film goes on. Yeah. It never yeah. bothers me. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's minor minor thing. Yeah, she serves the role that she's supposed to. I think, and like as. That might sound like weird or blunt, but it's like I think she she does what she needs to do. So yeah, I feel like the most memorable parts for her are like the scenes where she like appears on the TV or like in hallucinations, and yeah. those, were, yes. those were good. So yeah, those that's I think that's where it kind of makes sense that you know because you know she's like this musician and like she was doing music videos like she was like you know at that period of time when music videos were becoming a thing and that was like part of her appeal like she was doing that so like when she's on tv it makes so much more sense that she's on tv and she's like way more in control than when she's like in the movie as an actor i think there's like there's something Mm -hmm. about that too like just her style so maybe there's like a real awareness of what she was doing there but i don't know maybe i'm overthinking that too much uh how about this hot take that rj will know about about the name nikki brand uh that there's like it's a reference to her nicking her shoulder when she gets cut and when she brands herself with a cigarette butt. Huh? Is that did they say that in the commentary? Yes, D- David Cronenberg says that and he says oh, I thought oh, that wow. he says that I thought that was amusing. <laughs> there are a few other like kind of corny names and stuff too, yeah. like uh convex yeah. and stuff like that. So that's oh, actually yeah. interesting. I didn't I wouldn't have picked mm-hmm. up on that though unless it was yeah. from the commentary. Right, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah, like... I, I didn't know that either until I saw it. Yeah. If uh, we get the the brilliant line that I ask RJ all the time, got any porno? I mean, it's not it's not that he it's not just that he asks me, but sometimes it's like I'm at home, I'm having dinner with my family. It was a long day, and then the doorbell <laughs> rings, and I go, and it's Jared, and he goes, "You got any porno?" <laughs> yeah. And I say, Jared, yes. Come on in. <laughs> come, come, drill. come, and then, then, you, then I say, want to try a few things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's my here's my joke: Netflix and chill, Videodrome and fuck. <laughs> oh, oh God! <laughs> if if we weren't gonna get canceled from that earlier stuff you were talking about, could have been this. Hey, could have been this. 
I mean, we're all. Th- I mean, come on, you got to think about Netflix here. I mean, they're just hanging out, and uh, there, mm-hmm. uh, there's also like later on when you see on top of the, the undulating television, there's some Atari <laughs> joysticks on top of there, and you're like, yeah. do, do you think like we saw there was some off-camera Atari played gaming? Yeah, oh, is, 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 is Nikki is Nikki Brand a gamer? Was she into yeah. like that like Pac-Man stuff? I don't know if Pac-Man had been uh, put onto console at that point, or was that's too early. In eighty three, filmed in eighty, filmed late eighty two. It was probably, I bet she was probably a gamer, but something really, really weird. Like, what's that one game? It's like Asterix or something like that. And it's like, what is that about? <laughs> that one. That's my guess. Pac Man, nineteen eighty, but when was always oh, localized the same nineteen eighty as well. It did get ported to Atari. I know there was a home version yeah. of it. So yes, mm. I do because I I was watching that Netflix documentary on like video games that just came out too. And they mentioned that there's a whole about how Miss Pac Man was like the mm-hmm. the big big deal. They just mm. literally threw a bow on Pac Man and suddenly like women love Pac Man. That's all it takes. I thought I thought you were gonna throw a bow on for this podcast just to appeal to our, a bigger demographic. Ah, damn. Yeah. Forgot Next to. Time. Next time. Next time. Uh, so, yeah, we get, like, some making love with some piercing Ooh. in the ears, grinding. We get some, like, mm-hmm. beginning of hallucination as the, as the mm-hmm. room pans back, which is really great. Uh, mm-hmm. it, again, mm-hmm. this is, like, I think Cronenberg's really, like, put pulling it all together at this point. Like, yeah. His, yeah. everything he's going to become is, is showing up here. And it's kind of the culmination of, like, every, all his earlier stuff, which I think is pretty rough. And this movie feels pretty slick on the whole but we also get some seriously wet dolly work like on their on him just like nuzzling on debbie harry like it's just like like oh real, yeah, yeah real like oh i mean <laughs> you really i can really hear that i did notice that too i think i i think the note i wrote down was real Jarrett type behavior right there you go <laughs> Uh, so, so they, they have sex and, uh, that's fun. <laughs> cool. Some, some, or as people would call it as like weird sex. There's actually an entire book on like Canadian film. It's called weird snacks or weird sex and snowshoes. And it's like, okay. a, there's a whole thing on like Cronenberg and stuff like that. And cause there's obviously mm-hmm. crash and stuff like that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Hey, we also get, so we get back to the office and we see some like very casual inter office, like sexual harassment when he just slaps yeah, that one casual. lady's ass and he's just like, hey, how's it going? She's like, hi. <laughs> You're like, yeah, she uh, gives him a big smile. Yeah. yeah. 83. <laughs> uh, and then we get, uh, we get the back to the baby blue type of footage, that Greco Roman orgy tape where it's just like, Ugh, oh, yeah. it's so it's so soft. It's so it's so nice. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the name of that character again? Uh, Masha. Yeah, Masha. Masha. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, he puts a call. He's she's an agent. He's at, he's makes a call for. Hey, you gotta find me. You gotta agent me video drum. You gotta source it for me. And of course, we get this really great question. Uh, what kind of show would you make? So, what, RJ? What kind of show would you make? It'd be a live feed of my bathroom, specifically the toilet. Uh, things would the be, the peak hour would be around six a.m. when I uh, first get in there, and uh, that's where most of the views would come from. I think. Coffee in hand. Coffee, coffee in, hand. in hand. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? The uh, the coffee oh. toilet business. 
I can't. I cannot get on board with that. <laughs> no no booter drinks in the bathroom. That oh. that's taboo enough to be a show on Channel Eighty Three. That that's well, <laughs> you could that... just you could just eat a whole meal on the toilet. That would be. But yeah. see, that's the thing. I don't. No other food. No other drinks in there. It is strictly professional and it's strictly business oriented. And I know at least one one friend uh, of of ours ever all of ours the collective ours sugarhead he's on board with me so oh, at least are I you know are I'm you are you outing him as a no he he emailed in remember <laughs> oh but now you're like saying like so he's doing this you're telling me that well he he uh, supported me okay but, but does he do it i don't know let we'll us know let, let, next week. let us know sugarhead so uh subterranean market is just only fans now we cut mm. out the middleman oh you, you can go yeah. right to, you can go right to the source Mm-hmm. Get your freak on. Sure. Good call. Good call. Uh, so, yeah, here's my note here about how people seem to be slow on the uptake in this movie. Oh, it has to be fake. Oh, you're going to Pittsburgh? What for? These are scary individuals. And you're like, okay. And this is a note about, like, one of the, I guess, themes of the movie is this, this like, everybody seems to be on this road of self-destruction, which mm-hmm. seems very noirish, where everybody's just kind of, you know... Their fate's sealed before they even know it. And we got the, the infamous, I guess, probably probably best line in the movie, arguably, is the about how what Videodrome is and how it's dangerous. It's 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 not like anything you know, Max. It's not like you. It has a philosophy, which is pretty pretty scary stuff when you're talking about a video. Because uh, mm-hmm. at this point, we still don't know anything about what's going on with this broadcast. It is at this point just like some mysterious thing. You think, oh man, he's going to get involved with some like dangerous people that are just making this weird sicko stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same scene though, we also have a bit that has jumped out at me every single time I've ever watched this movie. And it's when Masha's like, after she, uh, uh, James Woods hits on her and Masha's like, ah, oh, you're a little too old for me. And then she makes eyes at the waiter who mm-hmm. is yeah. God, like, who is just like, oh, that guy, that hair, those like, <laughs> those eyebrows. Yeah, Canadian. <laughs> he looks like he's wearing like uh, fake eyelashes. Too. Yeah. It's oh like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, where did this guy come from? <laughs> Which like, is, yes. Thank you very much. Oh <laughs> yeah. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Very European. Uh, so yeah. and then we so then we get introduced to, like I think one of the coolest one of the cooler ideas. It's like low key brilliant in this movie is the cathode uh, ray mission cathode mm-hmm. ray mission i think that is yeah. so cool uh so what this is it's like you watch enough movies set in like los angeles new york and you always like or these urban centers and you always have these like missions where people are mm-hmm. going in where characters hit or down on their luck or they they're being shown as good people and they volunteer at the mission and people show up and they get food well the cathode ray mission which is uh founded by professor oblivion you get t- you get tv and I'm like, mm-hmm. man, that that's a that's a very thoughtful thing. And essentially, this role is now fulfilled by public libraries, but people aren't watching TV; they're they're just getting onto the internet, which made mm-hmm. me want to ask the question to you two: Did you guys ever use internet cafes? Do, do you remember when internet cafes was a thing? Yeah, I do remember that, but mm-hmm. I feel like it probably predates like the acceptable age where i would go like and use it alone but i do i was yeah. it's we're like kind of right on the cusp of that i feel like okay mm-hmm. that, that was just like gaming cafes especially that oh. feels like that was like a big thing like right around mm-hmm. then i remember oh yeah, yeah for sure 
Oh yeah, that that was because people didn't have access, and now yeah. there's too much access. So that, it was very thoughtful of uh, Professor Oblivion to bring the uh, the signal to the disadvantaged to make sure that they knew how horrible the world was around them on top of their <laughs> horrible situation. Very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I made a note here too, like when we get up to uh, Oblivion's office, like all the spaces and like the reality of this movie are so well done that you never question it like you never i don't know to me like i wasn't even i'm not even aware that i'm watching a movie when i'm watching this it just feels like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm watching this i'm watching video drone and like there's like only like what four or five different settings there's his office mm-hmm. there's like the shelter building itself there's max's apartment there's civic tv there's like the video drone room <laughs> like on mm-hmm. the video uh and then there's like kind of like the eyeglass store that you see a couple times yeah. and then i guess like you see um uh What's his name's uh, the pirate office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Harlan, Harlan. Yeah, like, oh. but that's it. And it's so it's so good. Like because they're like, oh yeah, that's all you need. This movie's so low key, but it feels bigger than it is. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I have like, a note for that. Like all of the all of the like set decoration is so well done. Like yeah. you're right. Like they don't go a lot of places, and it's like everything feels like so like actually like lived in and real and kind of yeah. grimy. It fits the movie really good. Yeah, that's a credit to uh, Carol Spear, the uh, art director on like all of Cronenberg's best movies, who just died in the last year or so. Mm. Brought brought a lot to these movies, though, for sure. Um, I, lo- I always like the line, the monologue is his preferred mode of conversation, which I, yeah. feel, I feel like this podcast is bordering on right now with me talking <laughs> all this uh, time. Um, and then, oh man, then there's the bit where he's, the hallucinations are getting really crazy. Max is... Mm-hmm. Uh, really freaking out and uh friday comes by uh in the midst of one of these and he just starts slapping her and then mm-hmm. and he's like luckily he didn't and i was like felt real bad about that and then his excuse is that i think i'm getting a rash or something <laughs> yeah that's funny he's like saves it like with a with his other comment like he acts like pretty good to it but the rash thing is like what? <laughs> yeah ah, are, you, are you saying when you guys get rashes you don't go around hitting people I'm guessing it's like more, more like how he actually feels to a bit to like his hallucination with the slit and stuff, but and it it doesn't fit to like the justification uh, to his secretary. Yeah. yeah, I forgot to actually make the note of the appearance of the slit. I guess, which I think is like, yeah, it's coming up quick because I got I made a note here about if like if James Woods was a fat guy, how deep would his body slit be? Oh. <laughs> It would just be like, would it be very deep? Or yeah, because it's a good thing that he's like super lean and skinny, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, which is also more of a challenge for your uh, makeup guys, I guess. But not really because I'm sure they have workarounds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then we also get at this point uh, after the rash bit the the debut of the pulsating tape, the the Betamax tape, which is like so cool. And I I was going to comment that the Criterion DVD. Uh, for this is like one of the best designs they've ever done. Absolutely, mm-hmm. hands down. I love that yeah. it's got the little color bar on the outside of it, which is one of those like things that. Yeah, there it is. Everybody, yeah. mine's not beside me, but I've always like loved that. That it's the tape. That is like mm-hmm. so smart. So such a simple little thing, and uh, I don't think I don't know if Criterion's really taught themselves that often uh, with this packaging. It's it's the it's the not, real deal. This is one of the good ones. Yeah, yeah for sure. The best. Is the Blu-ray pretty similar? Because I only have the DVD. Yeah. Is yeah. it like the exact same? It's the exact, it's exact same. I was yeah, wondering about that smaller. too. Because I remember looking at RJ's Blu-ray because I was like, I, I only have the DVD too. I never upgraded. But I think the DVD, it's 
better, I would argue, than the Blu-ray. Even though like, the Blu-ray will look, will look better, but because it's actually more of an accurate size, it's a little beefier than the Blu-ray. Because mm-hmm. the Blu-ray is going to be a little bit thinner and smaller. But yeah. yeah, I thought that, or I didn't know if like the book, the booklet makes up most of the like of yeah. the actual insert stuff. If that was the exact same, then maybe it would be similar. Yeah. But the Blu-ray, it it fits in with all the other Blu-rays. It's like the way that they package it together. They 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 broke it down a little bit to like uh fit but it's the yeah. same otherwise same idea yeah cool uh so yeah another like really nice touch is like so when uh max goes back to oblivion to meet him and just this like tossed off idea and again this is also the noir thing uh where like someone's like i want to meet the millionaire who lives in the mansion but it's just like here it's just like this mission and it's like well you, you go into his study and it's just like in this case it's like oh he's on oh he died i'm pretending he's still alive it's like no he is I, I curate his legacy via these tapes i think that's like such a like that's a great idea that is like it's an idea in itself it's just like barely even touched upon and it's just tossed out there and uh because you never really get to know her specifically she's just kind of like a character that is there but she's like super important because she's like the leader of the counter revolution uh yeah yeah i want to talk about that more like at the very end like about what you think about her and and cathode ray mission at a bigger thing but you're right like at at that point that is kind of like all yeah bianca that's right yeah yeah i like also really small i like how the the like shelving they have like in that room is so great it reminds me like of like a library or i'm sure other like uh, film stuff would have like archives things like that but that's just like yeah. <laughs> all the all of the dated stuff like that is so great like the tech and everything i love all of that but yeah, yeah. it's Thanks. part of the charm it's wicked mm-hmm. yeah and then you and this is where you start getting introduced to this whole idea that like oh they've beamed a tumor into you and you're like, because exp- this is the point where like it's all explained with the pulsating mm-hmm. tape, and then it's just like, oh yeah, I don't know, you've got a brain tumor, like something, and you're like, and that's when the movie goes like, you're like, what? Like that that's ridiculous. This is the stupidest thing, and then but the movie just runs with it. And you're like, yes, I accept this now. <laughs> like, and you're mm-hmm. like, that's the movie, and then you're like, but at the same time, you're like, well, <laughs> is this real? And then you meet uh, Barry Convex. You get these like mysterious phone calls, and it's like there's a car waiting for you out front there again noir the detective being mm-hmm. brought in a mysterious like driver takes him to um to, to basically go to an eye appointment which i reminds me i have to get my eyes checked soon too um and, and then you get to meet barry convex this like very like canadian 70s mm-hmm. actor if there ever was one mm-hmm. like everything about him just like the the kind of sideburns the haircut the way about him um, yeah yeah he's just like <laughs> he encapsulates that so well um and he starts explaining what's going on, and it's like it's like kind of unbelievable. <laughs> like what you're like, what's this about now? You're recording memories. Oh, you're the first person we know about who's like had this. We're going to put this helmet on your head now in the, this like totally like cheap back room <laughs> in this cardboard box. You have this giant like metal thing, and it's like yeah, put this on your head. And the and it's like literally the boiler room too. I think there's like the, there's like a like a water tank there, and they just like yeah, sit down here put this on we'll make some adjustments you're going to see things in pixel vision um and apparently uh you learn from the commentary track that that isn't james woods because james woods was incredibly paranoid that this thing being put on his head would electrocute him carol spears showed him it's like you could wear this you could jump in a puddle of water you, you you're going to be fine but he refused so it's actually david cronenberg who's in that uh amazing shot uh with the helmet on as it pulls back awesome yeah and he's like yeah i think he made some comment like uh 
James Woods was like really, really small. So he had to like kind of like they had to like tear out the bottom of the pants a little bit so Cronenberg could fit into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, we get that amazing shot, and then we get to, it's off into the fantasy that's videoed, and then I think that's where what is it the scene because now we get him whipping uh, who he thinks is um, Nikki, but it's actually Masha, and it's like mm-hmm. a question mark. And then we wake he wakes up, he finds her uh, dead, gagged in bed with him. He uh, calls uh, Harlan to come over with a camera, and then it's curious because she just disappears and it's like it's 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 very like it's one of those things it's like it's open-ended and you're like huh what what did happen there because at some point you realize oh harlan could have been lying about seeing nobody mm-hmm. there but we do see that there's nobody in the bed it's 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 an interesting thing because then like the fine lines of like hallucination and what is reality in this movie completely are just like gone uh yeah we now get the iconic uh, Videodrome jacket that he basically wears for the rest of the movie. It's when he kind of goes into almost uh, Travis Bickle mode mm-hmm. <laughs> for the rest of this thing. Um, and then we get the, we, I guess you get the big reveal again, the noir twist of like, ah, oh, Harlan was in on it the whole time with Barry Convex. And it's, we call two wonderful years. They like, it's so loving when uh, mm-hmm. Harlan says yeah. that. Like, it was a really great time. And he's like, he was a plant the entire time. Uh, and there's this great line of talking about why would anyone watch a scum show like Videodrome? <laughs> People say the same about this podcast. Why would anyone <laughs> listen to those weird fucking dudes? You know, it's a good screen grab. You got to get that. Why would anyone watch the scum show? <laughs> oh, I got, I got screen grabs out the out out the, the wazoo. Wazoo, my my boys. Uh, I'm going to try to speed up here a little bit. We get Harlan okay. going on this, like, because basically it's like almost like this right wing screed talking about how North America, it's getting soft. We got to be pure and direct. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then he becomes like a Manchurian candidate that has like tapes being inserted into his body cavity, which is like, Hell yeah. pr- pretty fucking cool to me. Um, mm-hmm. I made a note here kill your partner and give us the podcast. I don't know why I wrote that. Um, and something about oh yeah so he goes and kills his partners at city or mm-hmm. not city tv uh and then of course there, there's this great thing where he's like pretending that he's been shot i guess yeah. and then friday helps or a uh, friday show helps and i'm like oh friday should know better and he gets him he gives her that last long look where he's like saying sorry and you're like oh really really feel bad about that but that's the last time he's recognizable in the movie because at that point mm-hmm. i think that's like his last shred of humanity like because at that point he's completely now just like a ve- like a void he is just a vessel that is there to be t- kind of taken control of by these forces that are larger than himself that are vying mm-hmm. for control of everything and yeah like basically the rest of this movie like that's about an hour into the movie the rest of the movie is just like playing out like him being this assassin uh who then gets uh turned back around after his failed attempt on Bianca and she, then she puts a tape into him and he gets sent back to the other side you get you get the Harland grenade hand yeah <laughs> I that was something I was gonna ask about actually what happens there like I think he just shoots him but in his mind he like blows him up and then he gives like a, a quippy action movie one-liner because he walks yeah. through the blown hole but everybody on the street is like like not even acknowledging that like a grenade's gone off so i think that's yeah a, yeah because yeah 
this is we'll we'll keep going i guess but yeah okay. it's it's interesting i i found too like rewatching, especially this time like um it's a great tool to be like you have this tumor now like you're gonna hallucinate and like who knows when and he's kind of going through the motions and you're seeing the movie like kind of through his perspective the whole time so like sometimes like you can tell it's like oh people aren't actually seeing this that's just max hallucinating and other times you kind of can't they use that like in clever ways in some moments too though like i'm wondering if like i'm like reading into it too much as a viewer or if it like it was like on purpose in some moments and stuff like that that was like one thing too Mm because like the hand the hand and again not to like overanalyze something because if it's (laughs) if it's if it is what it is that's totally fine but like the hand i'm like what is that is it okay it's a grenade whatever but like when he's reeling back from like the late the people working in the back like react to it like his hand got mangled so it's like what happened there but yeah again it's whatever i I would i did make a note that i think that's it's probably like that and like the thing with like that really bad jump cut where like the bomb goes off and then they cut away and he just disappears i it's like definitely the worst part of the movie is that one scene i think it's like kind of like oh that's like not very well executed (laughs) like and it's not clear on top of it because you're like what is this it becomes like too cartoonish which i guess is like yeah yeah i agree and then like a really small point too that i didn't know we'd get to but just since we're talking about harlan the character in that i'd never noticed it once the first time but i do not like how much he uses the throne patron what is with that that's I was gonna start counting it. It's like every line he has. He's kind of a funny character, but like, yeah, he's one of the weaker like ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Patron is uh, extremely frustrating. I think. (laughs) Yeah, even Andy said that she's like, "What's up with this guy?" I was like, "I don't know." I was like, "I don't know him." He's she's trying to leave a lasting impression as like this unknown actor, really outside of Canada. Yeah, it's Patron guy. That's what people will say. They won't, they, they won't it's like they, a pirate thing because he's a because he's like supposed to be like a, this master piracy guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A bucket. I think it I, I think it would have played better if he went with a Canadianism and just said "bud" or something oh, yeah. like that. It's like a bud, <laughs> and then it's like yeah, that's that that's more fitting than Patron. Nobody says that anywhere in the world. So, <laughs> well, maybe Builder they maybe they did in '83. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I wasn't alive yet. No, I was just born. So, wow. you know, not that far ahead. Uh, and then we get to the convention. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a cigarette girl selling cigarettes at this, like, dance number uh, oh, that's yeah. happening. And then we get uh, old Barry come out doing the sales pitch. And uh, James Woods, he just strolled right in. He shows up, hops up on the stage. Decl- <laughs> and uh, we get Cancer Bullet, which I can't stress enough. It's probably one of the greatest things in criterion collection history that's that like special effect and like the execution of it is so amazing i can't i can't stress enough how good it looks like it looks so good and Mm -hmm. on top of it all there's like the added thing that i always forget about at least the last time i watched it and then watching again now is that you also get like the microphone picking up the sound of his like yeah (laughs) as he's leaving it's so yeah. it's so good, and it's like, oh, love it, love it, love it, love it. It and, is amazing, and it's like you know they hold on it just for so long, like yeah. it's they just they com- fully commit to how good it looks mm-hmm. and just give you every second to like take it in. It's well, amazing. Yeah. yeah, 
that's what that's what makes Cronenberg uh, Cronenberg is like those like moments where you're like, oh, this movie's kind of banal for a lot of it, and then suddenly you're like, what the fuck did I just see? Yeah, because like Naked Lunch has that as well a little bit, like just yeah. these like moments where it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I I imagine too like someone probably said to Dave, it was like, hey Dave, do you think we should show this whole thing? And he was just like, yeah, we need to. <laughs> this is what the movie is. It's this one scene, and just in a very like, like he he seems like such a soft spoken guy, and it's like that's what everyone always comments on these things. They're like, he doesn't seem like the guy who would come up with this, and but he's like, yeah, this is important, and we really need this, and it's gonna be in the movie. And that's the cancer bullet, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And then but he holds on it, and then James Woods runs off to the harbor and holes oh, yeah. up in an abandoned ship. And uh, there's some further communications with Videodrome where we mm-hmm. come to Nikki and uh, we get this like kind of double fake is this like fake out death. And then you get the real one. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, were, they were showing him how to do it. That's right. That's how I read that. Oh, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's this great final shot. And the movie just goes out. And uh, yeah. Mwah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've talked enough. What did you two think of Videodrome? Well, I'm going to let a uh, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, go first. But just since we were at the ending, I don't know if uh, like um, Ryan uh, knows this. But so the, the guts blowing out of the TV in uh, all of these special features, they talk about how it was the one the guy who is like rick baker's like second hand guy because he had a whole like crew of uh, special effects men but uh, like the second hand guy just went to a butcher shop got a bunch of like not a lot of the crew members mixed up between pig or lamb guts but they got like pig guts uh and they got them and then they're like oh we're not gonna shoot for like a week and he was the dude was like all right you guys but this shit is gonna get <laughs> rank in a week but they just left it in garbage bags. And then it was like the last day of shooting. They, they piled it in and uh, they were like, it was horrible. Everyone was tired. We blew it out. And it was like, and, but the guts hit the camera, which was the one thing they couldn't do because it was like, it blurred the shot. So they had to like fill them all up back into the air cannon and then shoot it out again or something. And all the people describing it, they're like, it was probably the worst day of my entire life. (laughs) Because they were working with this like ten day old like pig intestines. Yeah, I did watch that bit of that actually. Like, oh, I think okay. that was in. I don't know if it was forging the new flesh or whatever the one was of the effects. And yeah, like they had it on like they they said they filmed the whole movie from like uh you know around now like late September or like early October into like that. And I think they said they did that scene, the last scene of the shoot on the Christmas, the Christmas Eve. Eve. And I think he said that it took them like over four hours or something to load the guts in again for the second take. Like that's insane to clean it up and load it all up. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That's wild. And all the time it's just reeking. Oh but God. Anyways, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, why don't you tell us about your thoughts on video drum? Yeah. Yeah, video drone. Pretty good show. Hell I gotta yeah, say. <laughs> I really like this movie. It it mm-hmm. checks like a lot of my personal boxes. It's 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 you know, it's right in that magic time like movies were made that right in this window. It's so good. Uh it's got a it's got a really interesting um idea behind it, the sci fi aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the body horror and the effects are just icing on that cake like they're these little nuggets of gold like throughout it mm-hmm. but that are strung together with like with a really good movie like you said the 
it's like every like Cronenberg's I feels like Cronenberg's work like from like the mid 80s to like earlier like it was all a build up to this and then kind of explored like you know like worked on other movies obviously like it that were great but then kind of shifted direction a little bit later on but it's it's right in that sweet spot of his career it's right in those like kind of movies that I really like so I really dig it um yeah the held up really good I guess on a second watch again for me um I'm screening some of my notes here. <laughs> um, yeah, like you can't say enough about the effects. Like the mm-hmm. the cancer bullet is so great, but like even I was impressed again watching like the like the gun like growing into his hand and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they they really like commit on that too. It holds for so long, and like it takes a while to really look at it to be like okay, like I can I, you know you can tell it's not real, but like even that is like really well done. Um, the 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 tv stuff like the gun in the cathode cathode ray mission like coming out with like the description of that in the extras is really interesting how they had to like make the screen that way and like project like uh, the image of like the tv through it for like the effect like the light behind it like that's like all so awesome like really really rad i mean i love I watched like you know a, a horror movie or whatever just for like some great practical effects and stuff like that, and this is like you know one of the best. But it's wrapped into like such an awesome, an awesome movie on its own. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to let's see some other stuff. I, I a lot of the things this time around, like I wanted to. I was kind of like I said, trying to see like how much of it is is like. Uh, the motives behind some of the people because when you watch it the first time again i don't know if we mentioned it but the runtime under 90 minutes 89 minutes is amazing like to Mm -hmm. rat to like like even to jared's point like at the start you get it's just it uses it uses its time like so efficiently Mm -hmm. you're introduced to things the settings are like tight it's it really like uses like the time it's runtime like super efficiently and on a first watch it's easy to just get like wrapped up in the first half where you're like what the hell's going on and like you're just kind of curious but then you're introduced to like these two kind of sides and like their motives and stuff so i kind of wanted to like focus a little more on that watching it mm-hmm. and there's like some interesting points like some almost like questions or things i was wondering if we would talk about it here and uh again if it's like if you're reading if i'm like reading into it too much like that's fine because the movie probably that's like not its focus i feel like in a way but it also is pretty like um thoughtful like in it as well so i don't know but like um one point like i guess the one thing at the end that i was almost uncertain of is he you know he's programmed i guess in a sense by like videodrome and he starts like you know doing their bidding and then he flips you know at the at but from bianca to in the the resistance mm-hmm. and then at the end it, like it, he kind of has that moment of like clarity a little bit again where he's like sitting in the ship and he's like i'm i'm uh he's like i'm i'm having a hard time like finding my way or he's like i don't know like what to think anymore and stuff like that and then uh when debbie harris like comes like comes to him like that's that is that's video drone coming in that the effect again right like it's interesting though because the cathode the cathode ray group and like uh professor oblivion he's like pro leaving his physical body behind like being like this uh you know captured in like a in a video sense and stuff like that so i can see why they would like also be fine to like you know off yourself i guess and like rid yourself of your physical body but then it like to use um 
Debbie Harris's character, I guess, and mm-hmm. uh, and like come back to him. And the TV again is coming there, and it's like whenever the t- whenever the, like the the TV it has like video drum written on it. So I was like, oh, is he like relapsing back into that? Is that why he kills himself, or is that like the final steps of cathode ray mission? Did you guys? What do you think of that? Well, I mean, it could be just leading him to be like, this is what you need to do now is kill yourself to end this line. Because mm-hmm. at this point, yeah. he's a compromise, right? Like, he's, he's a bad, like, as an agent, he's accomplished what he needs to. But if, like, the worst case scenario would be him to be still alive. Yeah. And so if I this can... is, like, happening, it's like, well, you need to you need to do the right thing. And this would be like, but part of it also ties conveniently, I think, into the, the work of oblivion and this kind of war on the 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 old flesh and whatever what the new flesh is yeah yeah so it's yeah it is interesting like either way i could see it like you know kind of being the next steps for either of the groups but like it's it's interesting you're kind of lost through all these like hallucinations and people's motives and stuff and it just ends in a fitting way like that it's it's a great ending but yeah i was like interested that time watching it again i was like oh this is almost a little more open to interpretation or at least you could kind of look at it that way um let's see some of my other things i wrote uh yeah the some of the stuff too with yeah that's not even that important i was looking at more some of the points with like bianca where they're talking about like when she's um like video like videodrome as the entity like was using her in the end but like when did when, at what point like was she a hallucination to him like you know it seems like everything in their relationship when she's actually at his apartment is real and then when she goes and then it's like there's a point there where she's intercepted and he, she's being used like as a as a as a trigger point for him or mm-hmm. like for his hallucinations and motive and stuff but um that was interesting to watch that again and kind of pinpoint like when that was happening and stuff because she becomes like i said a, a, a central part of his hallucinations and and the movie from that point on in that way Mm-hmm. One interesting thing, I don't know if you guys watched it, but uh, or if you looked at it in the su- in the supplements, I looked at some of the like um, uh, the photos, the like I can't remember what the the gallery. Yeah, I checked yeah, it out. and they have they have it looks like they filmed alternate scenes where you know where he gets picked up to go to the um spectacular optical she's in the limo with him and then she's like trying the glasses on with him in the thing i was interested in like how they would have like spun that if she would have been an agent of mm-hmm. videodrome at that point or not probably not i guess but yeah i think I, some of them might have they might have actually just been uh for marketing so yeah. like um because a lot of the other ones uh things in the gallery were either posters from like, like international posters or different scenes and Mm -hmm. like it could have been an alternate scene like it could have been something that they changed after because like they're the way that they filmed it is kind of like they were like 75 percent done the script and they were like still writing it as they went so they may maybe filmed it went back and then did it over again or it could have even just been like they're like we need some more shots of you guys together for uh for like the the marketing like I, i don't know but uh I, I noticed that too. It could have been either one. I, I yeah, I just found it interesting, at least that it was it was in there. But I mean, I'm sure with lots of extras, when you look at the photos and like the direction that it changes throughout making the movie. But yeah, I don't know. The movie is uh, awesome. It it's you know it's got a nice tight runtime. It achieves a lot in it. It's like just the right amount of like 
first half like intro and like in really kind of pulls you into this world and then does a great job like kind of flipping it just enough in the end in the last half of being like what's happening some misdirection for the viewer and then uh yeah like payoff and the awesome effects are just like the icing on the cake really but Hell it's yeah. a wicked movie what do you think rj uh, I'm gonna chime in, but Jarrett looks like he. You got something you got to say, big, big uh, all, dog. All I was gonna ask was uh, when you guys were checking out these uh, supplements. Did you uh, either oh, yeah. you watch the trailer? Uh, I've seen it before. I didn't watch it this one. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't. I didn't. It, it will be. Yeah. In, it'll be the. It'll play into this part of the episode, but yeah, it's okay. it's it's something. <laughs> like it's definitely a, a product of its era, and it doesn't like. It doesn't even use music from the movie. It is, yeah, it's its own thing. Bad. It, it it's interesting. Like I, I, it's like what the fuck. Yeah. Like it's it is no way how they would make the trailer for this movie now. Yeah. Is that trailer number one? Because I think uh, on the Blu-ray there's three, there's three trailers. Yeah. I think, I think it's number one. It's like whatever it is. Okay. Like it's like a two-minute long one. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, three. Just, I saw three, and I was like, I'm not. I was already watching all these other. I was too busy watching yeah. Samurai Dreams, so I didn't. Yeah, I mean, that. that's that's. I mean, you, you got right to it. Yeah, well, exactly. Like that was the same with me because uh, I've seen the trailers before, but um, I think I actually, I can say, this is the first Criterion I have ever 100 percented because I, I completed it. Did you? Did you did Whoa. you did you watch, watch the, the, se- the uh, second commentary? Oh, track. see, well, the infinite. I watched a. I watched one of the commentary <laughs> tracks. No, I I don't care what James Woods has to say about this movie. Well, you're ninety five percent. I ninety five percented it. Okay. I almost slam dunked yeah. it, no. uh, but I I do th- feel like I got enough of his uh, his point of view from the other supplements. Right. So I'll tell you what I think about the movie, but. Uh, the supplements too. There was a bit of a. There were some redundancies that uh, I, I kind of wish that they had. They cleaned that up a little bit and put it into one thing instead of like, you have like four different like little behind the scenes and there's a ton of overlap in between all of them and it's just like, yeah. which is fine because each the only frustrating thing is each one had something that wasn't in the others but then like. I don't know, uh, a fifth of it was reused, recycled footage from the other ones. And it's like, eh. Um, but anyways, uh, video drome. Uh, I think uh, the last thing I'll, I'll say quick before I'll get into it is I don't think we ever mentioned why friend of the show Ryan Nagel is on this episode uh, other than his affinity for this. But I think about four years ago when we started the podcast, uh, I think I was like, hey, if you ever want to come on, let me know. We'll, we'll be happy to have you. That was way before we've ever even had guests. And I think he, he said, when's Videodrome? And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't know, like 250 or something like that. It's like, it'll be like years from now. And it was like, I'll come on then. So we, we, we made good on the promise, the promise of blessing, Jared. And here we are at episode 216. Woo! I hope the wait was worth it, everybody. <laughs> well, I, 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 that just popped in my brain. I was just like, oh yeah. I was like, this has been like long time running. So I, I forgot. Videodrome, it's awesome. I love it. It's one of the best. Uh, runtime, amazing. Special effects, amazing. Uh, David Cronenberg, everything that you guys have kind of mentioned, I'm on board with. I just, I really like his style. Uh, I like the way he presents stuff. Uh, I think he's so unique. But I also 
I like as biased as it is, I just really like the Canadian feel in his movies because it seems like a I don't want to say like underrepresented thing because it's like, well, Canada's pretty well represented, but I feel like Canada gets compared to the States a lot and it's like it's but, nice when you have something that's your own. So the question though is is it it's not is it well represented? Cuz I think What they, did I, I say? I, well no, that's the thing the stress is like but is it a good representation of Canada? Cuz there's things that represent Canada, but I don't think usually they're not very well done. I think Cronenberg's like I'd say like David Cronenberg is kind of like the uh I don't know, the director laureate of like mm-hmm. Canadian cinema like cuz there's 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 been other directors who've come along, but I think for like Anglo Canada, uh, David mm-hmm. Cronenberg is like our greatest director, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, maybe toward like the end of his career, his movies like are less essential, but I think like he's like our best export. Like everybody else, I mean, like, yeah. James Cameron, I don't even, like, he's, I don't even consider him a Canadian director, right? Like all his movies were made in the States. Uh, he left. Uh, Adam McGoyan, pretty well, like has kind of gone off into like no one really talks about him at all anymore, where most people don't even know who Adam McGoyan is. Like RJ, yeah, I have no idea. I know yeah. Guy Madden, but he's very, and Guy, and, and he's Guy not Madden's very up there. recognizable. And Guy Madden, well, I mean Guy Madden, I think to film people, people are into Guy Madden, but I don't know if there's like a specific, explicit Canadianness to it besides like say Future Creep, uh, My Winnipeg. But yeah, I mean he works in this like kind of super hyper stylized like art style though too in his films, like where they're like these like homages to like film history where Cronenberg makes movies that I mean they fit alongside other films like on the shelf like genre wise like they're like different types of tropes of movies so i mean he's like i think probably is there's one other director that i'm skipping i'm forgetting about off the top of my head like bruce mcdonald yeah it's like it's quite a big drop like there was like norman jewison started off uh as a canadian director and uh is what it is. I don't know. Denis Villeneuve. Denis. Well, see, <laughs> and, and he is uh, Quebecois. I mean, who's like kind of made that gap, that leap there. So he's probably the next best. I mean, he's probably the next big thing, though, right? Mm-hmm. Is Denis Villeneuve like internationally? He's a he's a big deal. People love that guy. And he did get to credit where it's due. He did make a lot of movies in Canada, even recent ones like Enemy. That was all filmed in Toronto, wasn't it? That was his or some somewhere in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I I don't even know if I count though. Like the the Quebec film industry is so different. Like it's actually Mm -hmm. really supported, and their movies are considered like real movies outside of Canada. Whereas, like, what what's the film industry of you know Alberta really? Yeah, it's like it's uh, a, no, nobody like very few people. I mean, outside of what Fubar, <laughs> like yeah. how like how many uh, like Canadian movies have people seen like in Alberta in the by Albertans or whatever? Not very many, and it's like not until like well, there's all the the productions that are like made in Vancouver. Vancouver is just like the backdrop to like Hollywood productions and other like other countries like companies mm-hmm. productions. The Vancouver film industry is not really about Vancouver. It's about the lighting. Yeah, about bad, bad gray lighting, and then Toronto is like always the urban stand-in, uh, and then the directors. Yeah. I mean, most people are like, "Oh man, I got to get out of Canada," and then they go work in the states and hope maybe get a job. Yeah, you well, did say I, Anglo to be fair, so you, yeah, yeah, that's true. I think uh, Fubar is a good mention, but uh, I think you're forgetting um, their very, very prominent, very popular movie, Nightbreed by Clive Barker, that was filmed in Alberta. But that's, that's uh, Clive Barker. 
Yeah, I know he's not Canadian, but uh, you know, inter- parts cool, of you know, Interstellar about cool were running. filmed here, too. Well, that's the thing. Cool it's like running? We're, 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 yeah. yeah, we're, we're used as a uh, backdrop, but we're like actual, as yeah. our film idiom, yeah. uh, we don't really have, like, we have one, but it's like, it's, I, I put some effort into this, like, a few years ago, if you remember, RJ. Mm-hmm. I was checking out the, that new no. Canadian cinema, and, uh, I mean, I was uh-huh. renting stuff, and a lot of the time, it's always like, you, you, I watch something, be like, that's not too bad, but then you see how it's, like, received internationally by, like, people who have no, like, skin in the game, as far as, like, if this movie mm-hmm. was made in Canada, and people go, Bleh. they don't care, but I'm sure yeah. if you threw Charlie Kaufman's name on it, they'd be like, four stars <laughs> well and that's that's kind of what i meant too by it was uh i i think i have a special affinity for old dave too just because it's like he's uh he's us he's all of us he's the new flesh and I, i'm i'm on board with that but uh i i love cronenberg just because i honestly think he's so unique i think a lot of people try to cop, copy and emulate him but yep. I don't know, watching some of these peak Cronenbergs, like Dead Ringers is still one of my favorite that we've watched ever. Because in like I think that is like the the pinnacle of his work. And like Videodrome's like not far behind it for me. But um I think it's so unique. Videodrome itself, uh, I, I do think is like a perfect little package. So even with like questionable acting at some times. Uh, like they're all Canadian unknowns. They just kind of pop in here. Oh, I think none that, of that. None of that bothers me at yeah, all. Yeah, I didn't. Like, I, I, I think they yeah. all do a good job. Yeah, I think I think they're but, all good. Being yeah, despite uh, your uh, your wife's uh, <laughs> claims of their schlubbiness. She well, she wasn't speaking of their acting ability. It was nope, just the their general physical appearance. appearance. <laughs> because and like I I think she has a point where she's she's so used to like she's like the Netflix kid and she just sees these Hollywood people get pumped out and it's like they all look the same, you know? There's no unique features or qualities to these people. You see real Canadians in Videodrome, these guys got like big noses, some of them have huge ears, some of them have like weird moles do, on their faces. Do you remember like, in uh, I don't know if you remember in the commentary with uh the cinematographer mark Irwin, where he was talking about uh debbie harry's face furrows and having to yeah, light and, how, and, have, to and light. how to light her because she's like wow. she's obviously like a beautiful woman but like she has these like little indentations around her like nose and then i was like what is he talking about and i looked it up and i saw oh, oh yeah she's got these like these little divots kind of like in her like upper lip and he's like trying to like he has to like light those out and you're like oh yeah i guess like that is literally your job though when you're like the photographer is to like make people look the best they can and sometimes it's like their body it's conspiring against me and it's really hard to light a movie and like make her look great and it's like it's just an extra step to like i got to put this camera here and she's going to move here and now i have to light here and you're like yeah that's just like those weird little things that you don't even think about because it's somebody's job to like make people look glamorous or just like not bring attention to like something where like, yeah, no, this person looks great, but they have like some weird little, like they have a dent. <laughs> They're like, I have to work around this, but yeah, no, no one yeah. talks, but no one talks about James Woods, pockmarked face. Oh yeah. James and, Wood, and his fucking, has, uh, like, his horrible hair. He is a striking appearance of a person. Like it's uh he stands out pretty. Yeah. Remember that episode uh, of the Simpsons with James Woods? When he yeah, was, where he when, takes when, over the quickie when, mark. When, when, yeah, he used to run it and he, for research for a role. And how charming yep. he was, and now mm-hmm. not so much. We uh, we almost wait, made it through without mentioning the questionable behavior of James Woods, but uh, yeah, he's a. Yeah, weird. I didn't know about this at all. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna look into it. I'm just yeah. gonna be still live in bl- in all, bliss that I had no idea. 
The only thing you need to know is that about once a month he gets banned from Twitter. So uh, something that's, like that. That's all you got to know about him. But uh, anyways, I was talking about Videodrome. I, uh, I I haven't even really talked about the movie. You guys have covered so much. You did a great job. But the one thing I'll say about the movie that I really love is I love the central thesis, Jarrett, the main idea, baby, where it's just like, and like Cronenberg talks about it a lot where he he doesn't like the idea of the, where it's like people say that exposure to violence and ultra violence perpetuates and creates more violence and he's like i don't think that's true he's like i think we're exposed to things like this all the time and uh he's like i don't think that that's what causes these things and like even max ren says it's like this is an outlet for those people and like i think it's a really unique idea about actually kind of analyzing that and the best part about it is i think cronenberg himself says that the movie is actually the whole movie is about exploring that, but in the end, it actually happens. So he's like, it kind of like turns back on itself, but he's like, but that was kind of the point of it. Uh, and I think that's like a, a, a really, it's such a, it's such a nice way to kind of like take in these things. Cause he's so open about it. He's like confronting these popular ideals and he's like, you know what? I don't agree with this. Let's explore it. And then it actually like he, he, he even says, he's like, it made its way back. He's like, but I think that's part of part of what we're talking about. And like, they talk about those extras who actually got into it. And he's just like, yeah, he's like, you have some of this, you have some of that. And he's like, but where is the middle ground? And uh, there was one quote on the commentary. He's talking about the ending. And I thought it was super funny uh, and just like very fitting where he's like, the final victory is that you cause violence to yourself. So when he's talking about like how he kills himself, he's like, that's that's the culmination of all these things. He's like, all these things come to a head. And he's like, but when you actually do harm, it's to yourself. It's not really to to other people. And I was like, I like that. I think he's uh he's really interest like it's a really interesting take about because that's that's the big thing where he's talking about pornography, violence, horror movies in general. And that's the thing that we always kind of go on about is horror movies. And like people don't like that stuff because they're like, that'll give people ideas. And it's like, I don't really think that's the case. But like Arthur Fleck, Arthur Fleck, will you get what you deserve, Jarrett? The Joker <laughs> said so. OK, yeah. Um, yeah. I love all that stuff. Uh, one other quote from the commentary that I thought was super funny was, quote, there's no sexual precedent for it, end quote. And I was like, that's that's a unique screen grab. I like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can't. The one problem is when you turn on subtitles, you get the subtitles for the movie and not the commentary because uh, obviously you can't have both. And uh, so there was a lot of stuff in the commentary. I would want a screen grab, but it's impossible. Um. But yeah, it's very good. And then I'll just give you guys a uh, the quickest, briefest rundown of a few supplements uh, because this is what the fans want. They always want those supplements, and I did it. We got a short film called Camera. Not much happens. Uh, it stars yeah. Barry Convex. <laughs> it stars oh, Barry wow. Convex. He's just an old man, and Ta there's some talking, uh, about, talking about the camera and, about and children camera making camera actor. making films. Yep, it's like five six minutes long. It's there. It's there. It's there. Uh, then I watched Take One Fear on Film, which is a panel hosted by Shit Garris himself. Uh, <laughs> and he directs one of these things. 
I don't know how Mick Garris got involved in the horror community. So he's a early nice guy. Just, he's a nice guy. Maybe you could learn to be. You could learn something from him, RJ. No, I don't like Mick Garris. He's he's like. Doesn't matter, but uh, that whole thing, uh, John Carpenter is probably the coolest guy I think that has ever lived. Because whenever they ask him a question, he's kind of like, he's like, he's like, why are you even? He's like, it's it's obvious. And, yeah, he, and, like, he's he's not a he's not a great interview, John Carpenter, is what I've heard. He's very he's a he, tough nut to crack. Yeah, he's not, <laughs> but I actually really like it because they're like, uh, Mick Garris asks him a question. It's something really dumb too it's like what are movies that like scare you and he's like movies don't scare me he's like they're fucking movies he's like i don't give a shit he's like but i like seeing cool <laughs> and, stuff and then he has another cigarette yeah and he's smoking on the whole time and like such a badass I, so badass and he's and, like, still smoking said, to this day and just plays video games yeah yeah all he cares about now is video games wasn't that that tweet he put out he's like mm-hmm. all i really care about is video games yeah it's like oh, you're so cool john carpenter <laughs> so he's really cool David Cronenberg, I think, is very articulate and smart, and he actually has answers to stuff. Would you call him cerebral? He might be. Some might call him that. Uh, And then you get John Landis in there, who is like, he comes off like such a piece of shit. Like, (laughs) every time someone says something, he like interrupts. He's like, well, actually, when I made my movie, we did this. And it's just like, no one's talking to you, John Landis. Fucking stop it. (laughs) And it's, it's like I see how Max Landis was created mm-hmm. out of this. And I mean John Landis, you know, you just watch that Twilight or read about the Twilight Zone movie, you'll know all you got to know, right? Mm-hmm. Eyebrow face. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he's he's like super smarmy and uh, cuz Mick Garris talks about how uh, Rob Botine uh, and Rick Baker were in each of uh, the thing and videodrome and uh, John Landis is like, well, they were in my movies first. And he's just like, Oh, you fucking guy. And he, and he goes, oh. Yeah. And he does that. And you're just like, Oh, what a piece of shit this dude is. Um, what else <laughs> we got? Uh, making of, I can't really remember that. Um, forging oh, the flesh before you jump from that yeah. really quick. I watched that one, the making of, and I immediately thought of you cause right at the end, it's almost even out of place, but Cronenberg oh. has a, like a, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like he's an, he is an ally in the anti animal violence war. He's, I don't know why, but he says it. He's like, it's cheap and it doesn't, it's not effective. And like all this stuff, I was like, Whoa, but he explicitly he's... says it both cause it's both, uh, actual yeah. like violence against an animal for a movie. Right. Because yes. I think he's down with simulated because, I mean, he he blows up that baboon pretty good in the fly. Yeah, he does say I that part that part of the quote I nabbed where he's like aside. I think he means like aside from the actual violence. He's like, there's nothing that you shouldn't be allowed to show on the film. That's like yeah. kind of how he ends the thing. But I just my ears peaked up. I was like, well, RJ's going to love that. But... I and like, that's what I mean, man. Like, I actually I really I uh I get, I get him kind of the, the version of him that's been presented to me. At least I, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel him. So, uh, making of, uh, was pretty good. Uh, forging the new flesh is the special effects one. Yep. That one is real cool. I really liked that one. It's mostly just Rick Baker and his guys talking about how they did stuff. Uh, I like yeah, that one a lot. One I'd say if people pick one, I'd say to watch that one. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the only one to watch. Just that special effects one. Uh, and then I did watch the one uh, Ryan sent me from YouTube because uh, this one is not a supplement, uh, but it's long live the new flesh, the films of David Cronenberg. And I would say the films of David Cronenberg, a little advisory 
that's a word, right? Uh, a little loosely because it's like they show Videodrome and then they show a little bit of Rabid and a little bit of the Dead Zone. And that's about it. Right. Mm. Uh, but that one's like uh, in- individual interviews. Uh, Martin Scorsese pops up and he seems like it's kind of funny the whole time. He's he's just like, he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, Kroberg's pretty crazy guy. And like, that's all he really says. <laughs> Stephen King comes on and talks about like bugs and shit for a while. And he's like, people are scared of bugs. Bugs are scary. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, okay, man. And then he talks about one of the stories he wrote. And like, I swear to God, I've heard him talk about that story more than like, like, I don't even, I don't even listen to his interviews. It's like, I've heard you talk about this before in other things. It's like, get away from that. It's not even popular. Uh, then you have film critic, apparently, according to Reddit or Reddit, according to Jarrett, uh, Robin Wood, he, the whole time he's on there, he's just talking about how he doesn't like David Cronenberg and he thinks his movies are garbage. And I was like, whoa, I was like, what a like interesting choice to throw this huh. guy in here. And then David Cronenberg comes on and he's like, you know, Robin Wood has his opinions, but he's like, it's they're very superficial. He doesn't even really know what my movies are about. And he's like, if he watched them a little bit better, he's like, he could see a few more things. But he, uh, he puts it, it's not as bluntly as that, but uh, he does a good job at defending himself. So anyways, well, supplements. And he's dead. Drum, well, he deserved it. <laughs> is what I did you watch? Did you watch any other supplements on top of those, Jared? Uh, nope, that's about it, I think. I just watched uh, the ones I logged. I think it sounds like between the the two of you you watched everything yeah i, wa- yeah, I, I, yeah. I have re- two really quick things just because they were too funny to not say but like you said i watched the i watched the two commentary tracks on samurai dreams oh, and yeah. The, oh, yeah. the david Cronenberg one is really actually pretty good for like an eight minute thing where he talks he kind of talks more about his like uh hatred for censorship censorship yeah. but like the full scene of that um and again, this is a good time to remind everybody that this is a character that I play for the podcast. But the the uh, there's they hold way longer on the girl, like lubricating with like Vaseline, like the dildo. Like, like normally they pull the stuff off, and that's all it is. But he's like, he said that the MPAA had to sit him down, and they were like, he had to cut all of that part out because it like, like you'll get an X rating, like it's straight up just like a porno now. And he was like. He has a really awesome quote where he's like, I don't know, maybe the the head guy of the MPAA, he's like, maybe he's got a thing about cocks. That would be a hilarious <laughs> grab if you could get that from a screen. And then he also, his last his last um, quote from it is he was like, that interaction, it reinforced my hatred of censorship, which has never abated. That's, that I love that. That was a really good line. Well, he had and a then r- the other one oh. is good. He had a rough oh, time. I was going to say, yeah, he had a rough time of it because of the way his movies, like the way he depicts violence in his movies. Uh, like this was like also mm-hmm. during like the, like when censorship was very rampant. And then you also had like the video nasty stuff in the UK. And so like his movies were always being chopped up and it's like, well, that's the worst. <laughs> like you're trying to make a movie. And someone's like, oh no, you can't, you can't show that. We're, we're, we're the real artists. We're the prayer, uh, purveyors of morality and we're going to tell you what's bad or because i think it could be viewed this way which is like again nonsense like no one should be that person at all mm-hmm. it's a counter to art and it is in fact garbage so <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I, I can't remember i i, I wish i would have noted it but the other one i think is about i don't know if it's someone in the effects or something about like shooting the shooting it and they were saying that that scene for the 
for Samurai Dreams was filmed, mm-hmm. was shot in the CFTO headquarters of CTV, like what is now CTV in Toronto. And he was like, mm-hmm. it was all on the monitors and everything. Like it was in this place where they're usually doing like panels for like sports or like the news. And he was like, <laughs> the, the funniest pull from that is the guy's like, yeah, it was all over the monitors and people in the building. He's like, that was quite something for the boys in Scarborough. <laughs> I, I thought that was <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> But other than that, you got all the that the supplements. I watched the same, and they were good. Yeah. So this is a uh, this is this is pretty comprehensive dip. But yeah, Cronenberg's just one of the boys. Is I think what we're all saying. One of the boys. Dub boys. <laughs> uh, well, who hates Videodrome? Bad dudes. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, first up for half a star, Joran Adams. This movie was way too boring for how bizarre it was. How is it oh even possible? People didn't plot didn't make much sense and was particularly slow. Would not recommend. <laughs> this this it's... review was like from three days ago. Yeah, this is very wow. recently. Favorite films include Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Frank Solano, uh, A Quiet Place, <laughs> Five Stars, wow. which is like, <laughs> no, come on, you guys. Come on. Uh, Heather's Alvera thing, the thing in Aliens. So it's like, I feel like this video drum should have worked for this person. They just gave Phenomena Argento uh, four stars. Strange. Mm, very strange. strange. Yeah. Uh, Morgan, half a star. This sucked. I have nothing more to say about it. Thank you for your time. <laughs> At least these two, the point. Uh, this person just, they also gave Heathers five stars, huh. which I'm not really sure what that's about. Uh, but they also gave your favorite book, Jarrett, five stars to Green Book. Ooh. Favorite book, your favorite movie. Uh, all those Green things. Green Book. Uh, they gave The Last Jedi five stars. Uh, Die Hard five stars. <sighs> It's the it's always the same stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more, Sully Walnuts. Okay. Uh, note note the uh, profile picture. Pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Polly. Polly Walnuts. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And they write David Cronenberg, the Oracle of Sensation. Oh, and preschool storyteller. Uh I don't really understand that but they gave roberto benini's life is beautiful five stars since that got brought up before and uh, they will not be on our episode next week as they gave battle of algiers five stars which is interesting but the thing that i think you really need to know about this person jared is they gave five stars to la ventura oof which Oof. says it all. And half a start of signs? Get fucked. Oh, Get wow. <laughs> Seriously confused people out there. You know, uh, Robin Robin Wood wrote a book uh, on oh, Michelangelo Antioni. Really? Yep. Was it good? I don't I don't care. <laughs> hey, this person also gave Manhunter half a star. Oh. Uh, Mad Max half a star. Uh, Joker, the incel film, half a star. Uh, it just keeps getting worse. Wow. Worse and worse. Well, yikes. Enough of these people. These okay. these haters. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts here as we uh we're at what 4 hours of this episode? Uh, do you think we <laughs> broke the record or what? Uh, 
for, yeah, well, for a regular episode, yes, yes, we have. Pretty sure. Nice. Pretty, pretty, I'm so pretty sorry. Sure we, sh- we shattered it all. <laughs> hey, we gave people plenty of notice. We've been talking about video drum for like three fucking months. So people, sh- if if it was anything less than that, people would have been upset. Right. That's the final thought, Jared. <laughs> After the break, we all take out our meat guns and shoot ourselves in the head. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) The end. Television. Rules the nation. Television. Is the medium the message? Uh, toilets? <laughs> is that my answer to questions you have usually? Remember when Marshall McLuhan showed up in uh, Annie Hall? Remember that? No. You can email sure. us at criteriaincrease at gmail.com <laughs> and you can tell us about Marshall McLuhan. We've got a Facebook uh, page. Oop. We're on Instagram. We're on the letterbox. I'm Jared Duncan, RJ's Barnlow, and friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. Where are you? I am, uh, I think I'm just Ryan Nagel or Hey Dingus on Letterbox mm-hmm. at NagelR on Twitter, and I'm expanding the medium, the media outlets of the creeps. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.com slash Hey Dingus. Wow. Tune hey. in to, for some high quality gaming. What kind of, what type, what are you going to be twitching? Uh, I've actually, I've only really been uh, lately streaming. So a group of my friends do a video game book club where we choose like a short kind of indie game and we all play it and then we talk about it like every month. But um, I like to stream it because then some of the guys watch and then we talk about it a little bit part way. And then I also, Twitch is really great because when you stream, you can export to YouTube like without a file ever even being on your computer and it's like instant let it gets uploaded so i like to archive all of my playthroughs of these short games so i'm i, I would i stream a variety has there been any particular winners of games yeah i a lot of great ones that i would have never played i would recommend uh, i played little nightmares recently rj played that one that's pretty cool mm-hmm. little quick platformer but probably my favorite that we played is uh the return of the obra din which i would recommend anyone could play on a pc and you could play it in any kind of computer it's like a mystery type game inspired by like old Mac like era games like it visually looks like that but you explore this 3D world you're an insurance adjuster where everyone on this ship is dead or vanished and the ship rolls back into harbor and you have this like the supernatural element is you have this watch and people you have to like go through with the the log of all of the people and the watch allows you to go back and see like a snippet in time and you have to explore these still 3d environments 
and determine like how each person died and how, how they're all linked together and stuff. Huh. It's very cool. And the, the it's, it sounds cool, but like also if you just watch like a second of the gameplay, you'll be blown away at how it looks. That's probably the thing that grabs people in the first is check out a little a clip of the trailer or whatever, but it's a very cool game. Or just watch, watch me play it. Yeah, I watched some of his Twitch and uh, it's it's super cool. It's got a great art aesthetic, even though art isn't real here. Oh, it's looks, it's looks pretty cool. It's one bit graphics, so it's just black and white, but it's 3D. So they use like pixels in a 3D space. Like it's it's really neat. Huh. Mm-hmm. Have you ever anyway, heard of, that was, that was if we're talking about video games. Have either of you uh, oh. heard of or played Blasphemous? It, it's like a Metro, was it Castle Metroid? Whatever. Metroidvania. There we go. It's one of those yeah. combinations. Oh, yeah. It's like that, but like the artwork in that looks like really, it's like very as, as kids would say oh, now, cool. Dark Soulsy. But I mean, it's just uh, you know referencing art history and. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I have heard of this game before actually. I've never played it though. No, this it looks rad. Yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, you know, big pointy uh, Spanish Inquisition hats and stuff like that and finding really cool looking like the monster designs look so rad but this would be I, a great I, I, one maybe I'll bring this up for yes. the club to do it yeah we'll patch you in we're on SoundCloud Stitcher iTunes oh. Google Play we've got a YouTube we've got a Patreon Twitch we, we bid uh, Ryan Nagel adieu but next week RJ and I are back and it's Spine 249 on the cusp of greatness 250. But before that, Gilo Pontecorva's Battle of Algiers from 1966. RJ, are you ready to get your revolution on? I just want uh, people to know that uh, next week's episode will be at least four and a half hours long. Uh, we're going to try to break it every every week. So uh, <laughs> the curse, it just it continues. It shall never be lifted. Never. No. So yeah. Well, good night. Say bye, everybody. Good night. See you, everybody. It was a pleasure, and uh, yeah, go watch video drums. You haven't, you son of a bitches. Good call. Long live the new flesh. <laughs>